And I'm like, like a turd in the wind? That's not a saying. No. That's not a thing. That. Like, who's using that as He's a colloquialism? An alien. Cut him some slack. <laughs> In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! We get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! And away we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast feature presentation. Today's feature are our 10 of our favorite movie scoundrels and anti-heroes. Not, not just bad guys, really. Just saying there's a gray area. Now, here are your co-hosts couple of white broads on the left bow to your king because he's had a few drinks Ron <laughs> the rental king Avis and to the north you know he knows things as he has to Adam Nighthawk Peterson! <laughs> I've never felt more like Michael Jordan in my entire life. You know, the the whole last dance thing is happening right now. <laughs> From North Carolina. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we can put it into that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cinemasters of the Universe. I am your host on the left, one of your co-hosts, the Rental King, as it, as the uh, PA guy so so awesomely announced me. I And I know, th- and I, I don't know things. I drink. See, I mix things up because <laughs> I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> and I am uh, your co-host to the north, Adam Peterson, and, uh, and I know some things. You and know, I'm drinking podcast water. You're drinking podcast water. I'm drinking, uh, well, ahoy, I'm, I'm having uh, some Sailor Jerry podcast rum right now. Sailor Jerry. Yep, official, official, unofficial po- uh, sponsor of the Cinemasters of the Universe. <laughs> Boom, pow, sandwiches. Yeah. So um, I, I went to a, a new intro there. What'd you think? <laughs> I liked it. I liked that a lot. Did it, did it get you pumped up? It did. I was, I was like, oh, this is like the, I feel like I'm on the Bulls. I feel like Luke Longley. <laughs> I feel like Tony Kukoch. Good old Tony Kukoch. Good old Craig Hodges. Steve Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> and all the other bulls. The other guys. Are you watching The Last Dance, by the way? Is that anything that's like in your like on like you know on your purview by any chance? I, I have not been. I've seen other people are watching it and absorbed some of the different things people have talked about right. because of it, but I if I was if I was ever gonna watch basketball, it would have been the Chicago Bulls in the nineties. Right. I have I have fond memories of doing that with my dad, but I was never a big basketball guy outside of that. So well, I, I tell you what, man, ESPN really knows how to do a documentary. Uh, if if I, I'm sure you've watched a hand, you know, one or many thirty. I've, uh, I've 30, seen yeah. 
was it 30 for 30? 30 for 30, because they did, did one on Steve Bartman. Who's the who now? <laughs> Steve Bartman? Yeah. Who he, was, uh, he was the guy that... Uh, in uh, when the Cubs faced the uh, oh the Marlins in the world oh, or going the foul uh, ball guy NLCS yeah gotcha gotcha he uh, got he got a raw deal I always felt bad for Steve Bartman no he really did he really did because horribly I mean, the the Cubs player reached into the uh, he reached in <laughs> Mo- yeah Moises Alou because yeah, he was Alou. the he was he was the left fielder that was you know was ticked after it. but what nobody remembers is literally right after that, Alex Gonzalez bobbled a double play that would have got them out of the inning and they would have won the game. And I, then they lost, I think, two more games after that. So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah Steve Bartman does work. They, they, oh, the they, they were in clinch mode, I think. And yeah. um, it, it's not like that happened and then they lost the game, like you said. I mean, that there was after that, there was just like a series of, of, yeah. of you know, missteps by the Cubs. And then they, that I think they the had curse. to come back a few runs. Yeah, and they and they and they they should have gotten out of that game with a win, and they didn't. And then I think they lost one or two more games to the Marlins to for the Marlins to move on to the World Series. So it was like, okay, you can blame Steve Bartman for this, but that was one play. Yeah, you know where he. I mean, and really, it's like, did he or didn't he reach in? You know, reach into foul territory. The ball was in foul, foul territory. It's not like oh, it's a given. Yeah, he would have just caught it. It's like no. I mean, it's it's like the. Um what, was that the NLCS? It was the NLCS, right? It wasn't the I think, World yeah, Series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, because the Marlins then went on to the World Series. Yeah. I mean, here we are. We're talking like NLCS. This, this, and this is like prime, like Cubs have sucked for a long time, like pre to that. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a fan and you are you have an opportunity for a souvenir. Your brain shuts off. You know, you've been... Oh, ki- it, and you're in the NLCS and the ball's coming your way and you got a shot at grabbing it. You're not going to think, oh, maybe Moises could feel this. <laughs> Right. I was like, it's, it's, I mean, because he was up, I mean, it was up the wall. He would have yeah. had to, I mean, he had to jump even to try and catch it. He could have caught it. I really, you know, yeah. without any interference, he could have, but it wasn't a given. It would no. have been a, a spectacular catch. But anyway, so, um, welcome to the, the this, Steve Bartman podcast. <laughs> The Chicago Cubs. I've just uh, been waiting to unveil series it. of events podcast. <laughs> this is this is what it's all about right here. No, but really, really, what we have uh, is a uh, is an idea that I just sort of came up with off the top of my well, off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, I was inspired after I read news, heard news that the actor who played Eddie Haskell from Leave It to Beaver passed. Yes, and uh, I thought, wouldn't it wouldn't it be kind of fun to have an episode where we kind of have a little bit of fun and 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 highlight some of our favorite scoundrels? That's kind of how I put it originally. Yes, but you know, <laughs> we're having a. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to expand on the idea, and I'm like, yeah, like you know, like a not not necessarily like a bad guy but like he could be a good guy but he does kind of like shady things and then you were just like yeah. how about anti-hero and i'm like that's the word <laughs> i'm big on anti-heroes yeah so this is really a show about anti-heroes you know slash scoundrels like they're like i said at the top in the introduction uh, this is there's some gray area there's a little bit of gray area like the, these there is some gray area they're not 100% bad you you could almost like say any any Batman villain could possibly fit into this category. <laughs> yes, because there's a there's a little humanity to them. You know, they're not just evil. Uh, you 
there's something appealing to these characters, and you you can't help but kind of root for them. And some of my picks are way less sinister than others. Um, one one caveat that I put on you immediately was you can't say way. (laughs) I I didn't make Deadpool one of my official. I I said, I'm going to mention him. Yeah. Just in the fact that I'm not allowed to mention him. So I didn't pick him. He is the movie scoundrel at the moment. So, you know, that's a given. That's a given. You know, that's like when we do a show and we're like, hey, these are the movies we're looking forward to that aren't Marvel movies. (laughs) Yes. Obviously. That can't, we got we got to throw that out there. It's like, okay, there's there's plenty of things. I, I mean, I could I could plumb that well Ooh, all day long. Yeah. Do it, Doug. But I'm not going to. <laughs> Do it, Doug. <laughs> even even in my picks, I tried to say it cuz there's some thing some we've talked about recently. Some it's been a while since some of these guys have popped uh, some of the ones that I, I was looking over that I thought about. But um I was like, let me let me really try and break from stuff that I've talked about. You know, uh, especially things that I've mentioned more than once. It's like I got a couple honorable mentions. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I would love to use one or two of these guys, but I'm like, ah, these are, especially one of them. Like, I've I've talked about him, yeah, you know, regularly. So it's like, let me let me see if I can't kind of steer the conversation towards some some lesser, um, uh, not lesser known, but just ones that I haven't been uh, hitting on too too recently. Let me prove to our audience that I do have I have seen other movies. And l- yes. enjoy other movies. <laughs> oh, there are, I, I'm not a I'm not a seven year old child that only watches Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Shout out to my brother when he was seven that only watched Honey I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> that was huge back in, oh, he in the drove late me and my 80s. sister nuts. Yeah, no, it was that was a good movie, and we're, it looks like we're going to get a some kind of sequel. <laughs> Rick Moranis is coming out of retirement for this bad boy. <laughs> Not for Ghostbusters. No, oh, for Ghostbusters. heavens, heaven forbid he does Ghostbusters. Not even for the yeah. new Ghostbusters. Like, what yeah. the hell, man? Honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> Screw oh. retirement. I've yeah. been waiting on this call for decades. Down, down like a clown. Yeah, so we're, we're going to each select five. Uh, these aren't our favorites, uh, but they're, they're just five noteworthy, five of our favorite. Yes, five of our favorites. Yeah, five of our favorite scoundrels slash antiheroes. You, some, you could even say villain in some cases, just out-and-out villains that you just find appealing for some reason. You you yes. kind of like watching them. Um, so, And we, we have picked out little clips. Where, you know, we could talk about the character. We can venture into maybe the actor or the movie itself. We can just kind of noodle as we do. We like to noodle on this show. And then we'll play like a little short clip because... As long as we're not publishing to YouTube, we can kind of tiptoe around that kind of thing a little yeah, bit. We could do that. No, nobody's catching us. Nobody's yeah. catching us on our audio podcast. They'll we're never gonna, catch us. Nobody's watching us. Yeah, All this right, isn't so who, Baskin Robbins. Who should uh, who should go first in this this bad boy? Uh, well, I, I was going to say this was this was your brainchild, so I was going to let you kick it off. Okay. I like Especially it. since we know that there is no overlap, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I've seen your list because, you know, that's what we do when we when we plan to have clips ahead of time. Uh, that way I can just sort of get them fired up. I'm hoping for a mustard commercial tonight. <laughs> I don't, there will be no commercials. I, I've, I've signed back up you, to there, YouTube Premium. Uh, <laughs> I'm back on Premium. Well, I want to watch uh, Cobra Kai. I've been wanting to, like, go watch that. 
So I know there's two full seasons, and I've heard it's pretty good. So I wouldn't mind. I've heard out. the same thing. Yeah, I. And you can't because I wanted to get the first and second season. There's a, a season one and two combo pack, and you can't find it anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, so not even checking. on Amazon, not even on DVD. No, no, no. And I mean, when you when you can find when you can find it on eBay, it's like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, uh, I don't think it's, eh. I've not seen it, but I was like, I can't imagine it's that good. I mean, I only paid forty dollars for Welcome Back Cotter. Well, right now there's a one month free uh, trial of of YouTube Premium. So I I I think I'm just don't tell anybody, but I think I'm just gonna watch that and cancel. <laughs> we'll, ke- we'll keep it under our hat. I'll just not let that get out, okay? All of our listeners in Vietnam, <laughs> in Vietnam, keep that under your collective Vietnamese hat. Uh, I feel like we should talk about current events just a little bit, not not like COVID nineteen or like what's going on in theaters. COVID nineteen, just, just just fun little things happening in our universe. I know for you, you have a nice new audio, like a new AV setup. I do. And uh, yes. I, I'm so excited for you. You're stepping out, you're stepping away a bit from the lo-fi, lo- like standard definition. <laughs> I, I am, I'm into, uh, I, I did, I did have a, a high definition television, yes. um, but it was, it was not the 4K variety. 720. So I, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I am now in four, full 4K. Ah, oh, it's glorious. And I got myself uh, a, uh, a 4K Blu-ray player so that I could really appreciate, you know, the, Every, the the visuals do I, because I live in a townhouse and I have I do have neighbors yeah at least on one side really close I can't maximize the sound capability just yet but um, what during the day when it's acceptable we'll we'll listen at a at a pretty maybe a little bit louder than reasonable volume but especially in the evening time I, I tone it down a little bit but uh, but yes visually we are uh, um, the uh, the monster TV came uh, last Wednesday. 75 inches. Oh, you sent me that picture of you, of the boy standing in front of yes. it, the box. And I was just like, it's oh nearly as tall as that. <laughs> I was like, this, this is, because at one point I started to think to myself, I was like, because um, I was, I was not totally overwhelmed by the size, but it was one of those things where I'm like, once it was there and it was like, I have to maneuver this thing. It's like, Ooh, am I, am I going to be able to like, get the feet on this without scratching it. Am I going to be able to, it was like, I knew I could lift it, but it was like just the, I mean, the weight of it was not something that exceeded what I could lift, but it was like, am I going to be able to grab this in a yeah. meaningful capacity to it, where I can lift it? It's not the weight, it's the dimensions. Yeah. It's just so. Yeah, so I was like, ah. but <laughs> thankfully I, I got the feet on it and they're like, they're right up. I Cause I got a new entertainment center yeah. probably about a month ago to accommodate this one. Nice. And uh, new landing spot. We've got, and it's it's got a nice little um, fake fireplace in the middle. All of my um, my stuff that my because uh, I have a bunch. Dude, of that's series. awesome! I love that. The, like <clears throat> I see those at um, like Costco and stuff. Yes, I was like, okay, this is it's nice and cozy now. We got the fire. We could turn because I could turn the fireplace on without heat. It does have heat, so like in the wintertime, I could turn it on with heat, so it'll help. You know, oh, we'll warm I saw us, heat. It nice and cozy. Did you say heat? Like, huh? <laughs> heat. <laughs> came out like I saw that like six years ago. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about it, loser. <laughs> no, man, that's super cool. I'm like really excited for you. So, what, what was the first thing that you 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 turned on to to christen the new setup? We we watched because uh, the boys the boys were here, so I was like, all right, you guys go outside and play. I'm gonna get this all set up. I uh, one of the things that uh, in the middle of it because of my my two DVD um, uh, 
well, I think they're media bookshelves. I have my two bookshelves on either side of it. And one of them, because um, it has metal feet on the bottom, and when I was moving it, because it used to be upstairs, when I was moving it down the stairs, at one point, one of the set of, of metal feet had bent a little bit because I was going stair by stair, and one of the mm. sets of feet bent. So when I go to move it um, to get to the outlet behind it, the feet break off and DVDs that are on top start flying down, hitting me in the head. Uh, <laughs> so I had to fix that first and then put everything back the way it was. Went out to the car and I got my car jack so I could jack it up and then I could screw the feet back in the right way. So there I was like, go. all right. I was, I was a little resourceful yeah. was in fixing that. So we got that back. Very put manly. everything back the way it was. Oh, yeah. I used a car jack to <laughs> fix it. I got the car it. jack and duct tape. I got the car jack. I got my drill out. It's like, all right. I got my ratchet set. It was like, we're going to get this fixed. Fix the new post. <laughs> Fix the new post. That's how it was. It was like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. Very nice. So I got that fixed because I got my new, uh, it was like, all right. And I'm glad that I did because I got a, because uh, everything was reaching kind of far. So I got, uh, a, I had a power supply that just plugged into the walls. Like, well, let me get a power strip so I can move it closer to everything. So. Mm. Get all that set up. Get get the new TV on there. Get, get everything negotiated. There's tons of guard. There's styrofoam and there's all kinds of crap. So it's like, let me just shove this out of the way. And then I was like, all right, guys, come back inside because we're gonna watch. We didn't watch the whole movie because uh, um, I, I didn't think we would have time to sit through all three hours of it. So we started. We kicked it off, and then probably after we'd watched, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 minutes, we skipped to the best part of Avengers Endgame, oh, which okay. is the last hour. And oh, so we yeah. watched. We watched that the epic battle scene. You got in, to see Cap versus oh. versus Thanos. The that's the best scene. I think. yes. It. I mean, it's just th- that there's uh, every time I just it just completely overwhelms me because the whole thing is just I'm just like that. My my eight year old self is just like I can't <laughs> believe I'm I can't believe I lived long enough for this to actually happen. Ain't that the truth? I have a yes. seventy five inch like movie theater like qual like picture yes. visual and I'm I'm watching my childhood comic book heroes fighting it out like seriously like you know movie movie theater movie studios are making a movie and they're taking it serious you know they're not just oh, yeah. at the Saturday afternoon feature you know <laughs> presentation treatment one one of the most like Avengers Endgame you know it it will forever be one of if not the most epic movie I've ever seen It'll Just be interesting of, to see how it holds up in 15, 20 years. Yeah. Because uh, it is so special effects heavy. Uh, but I think I think much like Jurassic Park, which is going on, what, 30 years now, close. Yeah. It still looks it. great because they're, well, and that, that one does have quite a bit of Stan Winston's animatronics to, to help it out a bit too. It's not full on special effects, but... But there are special effects there, and, and and it still holds up pretty well. Well, that was where the uh, the line in Jurassic Park, when uh, when they first get to the Welcome Center and they're they're walking up kind of that uh, that lobby area and they're going up the steps, and uh, Malcolm makes uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm makes the joke about you know if they don't have to dig for bones anymore, won't those guys be extinct? Mm-hmm. That was that was one of the comments that one of the puppeteers made on set is. Mm with the emerging CGI and, and all of those special effects being done that way, puppeteers would become extinct. And so they wrote that into the movie because they liked that little joke he made. They kind of did because, I mean, for 15, 10, 15 years, there was a fa- an infatuation with, you know, FX. Just yeah. visual effects, not FX, but visual effects. 
like even down to you know somebody making CGI produce like a pear, you know something like that. <laughs> something ridiculous like a pear. Yeah, something absolutely ridiculous like a pear. Yes, yes. Who would do that? I don't know. Well, that's pretty exciting. Uh, on yes. my end, you know, like I, I'm just sort of working out in the backyard trying to uh, make make things kind of fun for the kids. We we have a trampoline out there. We have a nice a little kiddie pool. Uh, I had to replace the projector that was in our basement because uh, the lamp was going out. So instead of replacing the lamp, we just bought a new projector. Like just just kind of replaced it with a you nice, know, you know, like like a, a slightly better model, but not too expensive. Yeah. And uh, it's you know, we're, so we're going to use the old projector. We got a little uh, portable screen that sits on a tripod, and we're gonna we're gonna watch movies outside. Very nice. Uh, may, maybe play some Super Nintendo or NES. Oh heck yeah! Out there, and uh, we're we got a fire pit, so we're we're just trying to have a good. You time. guys are set. It is summertime yeah. at the Avis house. Yeah, we got the kiddie pool. We just like blew up a kiddie pool yesterday, and the, you know the kids are splashing around the kiddie pool. So we're we're just having a good old time, and uh, movie related family news. Uh, I tell you what, man, Scoob is just a massive hit. In my house, <laughs> very nice. I my and especially my daughter, my youngest. She she wants to watch Scoob so much. Like we we have no joke. Watch Scoob at going on ten times already. Nice. It's insane, but it's it's an enjoyable movie. I, the more it I watch is. it, the more I appreciate it. Uh, and, and we we bought Sonic. We picked up Sonic, and then that's the new movie we've thrown into the rotation. As far as just like obsessively re-watching kids flicks <laughs> you know how that goes that, and that's uh, we we i've rewatched both of those movies in the past week and they they are they're just <clears throat> they're fun enjoyable yeah, i like them. um yeah I, i'm it amazed was, was, at how well sonic turned out i i, I like i um I really love uh, it's it's funny because I was sitting there when I was we were watching it the other day and I was like I really like Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic like he's it just it really clicks well I don't yeah. know why just like this is he's really a talented good. voice actor I mean he's he in, he's in the Ducktales show yep uh, he I think he's voiced some he's got some other voice credits coming up also uh, so yeah he I mean I I know him primarily as like. Uh, from was what's his name from Parks and Rec? John Ralphio. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. He's he's fantastic in that. But oh, absolutely. But it is funny to see when when you're used to seeing somebody in a capacity, in, in like this vacuum, and then that, like now they're the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, like okay, and killing I didn't even know it. This was happening. Yeah, and killing it. So, anyways, yeah. So for those people who are looking forward to just the topic you're watching, you see the title, you press play. And here we we still haven't begun talking about. Well, I mean, we sort of broached it, but then we started talking about other shit. We introduced it, and then That's we were like, bad. "Hey, a little sidebar. We're That's gonna do a little sidebar. Yeah, here. just a little sidebar." I, let you I'd know. like to think if you like us and you listen to us, you appreciate these little sidebars. You're you're gonna you're gonna little get a little insight into our lives. You're gonna get to, this is getting to know your cinemasters. That's right. Okay, so number one for me, Willie from Bad Santa. Starring Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, there, there's just something so. Billy Bob in general is a really appealing, like actor for me in a lot of movies. Like, 
you you could also go uh, Bad News Bears remake. He was yes. enjoyable in that. He yep. he usually just sort of plays like a, a miserable low life son of a bitch. You know, he's just he's rarely ever a, just a good person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he. I don't. Has he ever been a good person? I you know that the the primary colors I think was what it was called where. John oh, Travolta was John Travolta played Bill Clinton. Basically, was yeah, he was basically like a caricature of Bill Clinton, and Billy Bob played a uh, like a. I think he played like one of his political uh, strategists or speechwriters or something, and he, you know, it was one of the few movies where he wasn't just podunk dumbass douchebag from you know <laughs> wherever. Yeah, he's good at that one. Oh my gosh, yeah, but but Willie. Everything about him is just so terrible throughout the movie. I, I think that's yeah. just why it's it's just fun because he's just sort of mentally and and verbally abusing this small child <laughs> throughout the. Oh, but, you know he's he's calling him names, but he's also caring for him and looking out for him a bit. And soft- was it Sherman Merman? Was that was that his name? The kid. Herman, I think, I think it was, it was Sher- Herman. I think it was Herman. Herman. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But Merman, yeah. He was like, "Your fucking name is Herman Merman." <laughs> yes. And the kid, he's so optimistic and and plucky. Just a sweet kid. He's just a sweet kid with chubby little cheeks, and uh, he lives with his grandma. And as we we learn that his dad is in prison, I think. <laughs> and he's just an oblivious kid. He's just one of the. He's yeah. like He's like a Butters from South Park. Yes. He, you know, you you can easily get frustrated with him, and and Willie gets frustrated frustrated with him quite frequently. Uh, he's, he has no patience for anything. Yes, and um, but you know he's he so he's he's navigating this this little kid and his grandma. And Who's I, spry? I, I, I really enjoy. There's this one scene when he's a he's about to stay with the kid. You know, he he drives him home because he's kind of stuck at the mall without a ride home. And uh, Willie Willie gives him a ride home, and he you know goes in and he's like, "Who who are you with?" And he's like, "Just my grandma." And he like he's got like a pantyhose over his head, and he he just he's he's like gonna like knock her out or do something, you know. He's 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 fully prepared to 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 do some violence, and he goes like, "Is is your granny spry?" <laughs> I love that line. Is granny spry? Is granny spry? <laughs> And you know she's this sweet old lady and just wants to make him sandwiches. <laughs> but I, you know, and he has a bit of an arc. Willie, Willie, I haven't even really mentioned the character all that much. He's he's a he's a bank he's a he's a he's a thief. He's a thief who has a specialty in cracking safes, and uh, he's his his sort of in uh, is is a is a mall Santa. So he's just this really awful drunk womanizing uh uh little, little person abusing you know he's got a partner who's uh who, who plays like one of his elves like his head elf and he's hilarious in the movie i like enjoy all of his scenes too but i i just love willie in this movie like he just has a million funny like moments and one-liners uh, but have you you've you've for sure seen this movie uh what, oh yeah what it's, are your thoughts about willie like do you do you do you enjoy watching him like i did or do you just find him repulsive like most people probably do he this is this is one of those movies because i feel like because i think one of the i think it may have actually been 
the first episode we ever did was was it Guilty Pleasures? Yes. This is one of those movies to me that would be that would could easily fall in that category because it's just <laughs> it's one of like the whole movie is nothing I mean is really just devoted to Billy Bob Thornton yeah. being as huge of an asshole as yes. it can be to everyone. To everyone. And, and it, it it's the joke really never gets old. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, there's some movies that try and follow some of those kind of formats where you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Ha ha. He's this drunk over bear. It's like, but for Billy Bob Thornton, like in this movie, it really just works the entire way through. And even by the time you get to the end, you know, the, the redemption to his character, it's like, okay, I didn't have high expectations for what, you know, what was going to go on here, but okay. I, I, I kind of like the way that the story plays out. So it's yeah. like, there's the whole time. It's just, you know, crass, rude, you know, oh, yeah. just uh, the whole, I mean, it's just nothing but that, but it's like, it never, you never get to the point where like, okay, I get it. You're, you know, you're this degenerate who doesn't care about anything. <laughs> because, except himself. I, except where is he going to get enough yeah. money to, to get drunk? That's just really all he cares about. And I, I think, I mean, like the, one of the keys I think to it is the, is the fact, I mean, the, the, the relationship between him and Tony Cox, who's, who plays, uh, Marcus, his, mm-hmm. uh, his little elf, his um, partner, fact, yeah, his partner, in <clears throat> mm-hmm. that, that dimension works well. The fact that he, you know, he has this weird pseudo relationship with the kid that he's living at his house and, right. you know, granny's there, that whole, that whole thing works. <laughs> then he has, then he has this, this relationship with Lauren Graham. Yes, that, you know, she's that, so awesome in this movie. I I just love her, and and it's it's one of those like it's funny because like she's got this kink. She just wants to like yeah. do mall Santas, <laughs> and and it's it's funny because like she has she has she's kind of this mix. I I kind of find her like she's kind of the in between because she's innocent enough to kind of fall in that same camp as as the kid, yeah. but at the same time she does, she has that kink. So there's kind of this dark side to her to where it's like, she balances it out a little bit and she's yeah. like, she kind of draws it more towards the middle. And then, uh, cause I, I went in to look, this is, this is the last on screen presence of John Ritter before it he is. passed away. He, he had a couple of other voice roles, but this was the last on screen presence. He He's had. brilliant in this too, <laughs> as kind of the, uh, very careful PC conscious, mall manager who just is afraid to say the wrong thing and and you got bernie mac who's sort of yeah bernie he's fantastic i I love the whole scene where he's just like eating an orange he's just eating he's just eating an orange and and delivering his lines and i just it's 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 relaxing almost like i just love watching these two actors go back and forth because they're just so they're both so funny and play off each other so well um, but, but the, the, you know, it, it adds a little bit of, a little bit of dimension to the movie gives, gives you a little something extra. Yeah. John Ritter's great. It, it, it is kind of sad that, well, and he was in Billy Bob's sling blade too. So yep. they had a prior history. Yep. Uh, and, and, and also honestly, Bernie Mac didn't, he, he passed not that long after. Yeah. He was, he was not, it was a few years later. He had a few more credits cause I went out to check yeah. on his too. He, he had a few more credits on screen, but yeah, this was. Um, this was towards the, cause bad Santa was 2003. I think he passed away in like 2006 or 2007. So, right. um, it wasn't too long after this. Yeah. This, this is just a really highly recommended movie. It could be a, like a staff pick sort of it. it and as, yes. you, as you said, it could very easily fall into the guilty pleasure. Uh, although I don't feel guilty watching this at all. <laughs> and, and when the sequel came out, 
Um, I was a tad bit disappointed. I think the whole Sherman or Herman Merman, like his character yeah. is kind of weird. Like it just doesn't work as well. But I do enjoy the uh, uh, what's her name, Kathy uh, Kathy Bates is, plays his mother. Now I, that's a yeah. pretty fun dynamic between the two of them. So it is a fun movie and worthwhile, but it doesn't quite hit the notes that the original Bad Santa does. Yeah, it it it's it's. Uh, a lot of it's kind of more of the same. It is. So it's kind of, it, it, that's where it's like, I think that's, that's where it's like, all right, it's still entertaining, but you do kind of like, all right, I could sit through the first movie a hundred times over oh, and laugh man. at all the stuff. Yes. But part, part of it, it is. I this recording. <laughs> I, I love this movie. It's really good. A part, part of it is you do get that because it's the same kind of thing when they, when they went back for uh, season four of Arrested Development and Michael Sarah had eclipsed his cute, awkward kid phase and he was just this weird, gangly, sort of adult ish kind of I phase. I like, like that at all. <laughs> it, it's, it's when I was like, okay, you want to go back to this well because that's where you got so much material from. But, it's it's like you can't you can't I mean you're gonna try but you can't because it just doesn't it's the not gonna hit the same no way. longer like, works no it's like he's not this cute little kid anymore it's like okay now he's just kind of a weird in between like what uh what stop writing him as this boyish nah. character because he no longer looks boyish yeah, it's like no this is this just feels wrong but yeah so but Willie Willie is just the type of person who you know he. He kind of when I when I have a scoundrel in mind, you know, he's not a villain, but he's certainly not he's certainly not a role model. <laughs> well, he was he was and Billy Bob Thornton was in the movie School for Scoundrels, and he was the he was the headmaster teacher. Right. He was the guy that that right. taught the School for Scoundrels. He was <laughs> the well head done, scoundrel. <laughs> so yeah, there's that too. So I'll, I'll play a little short clip here, just a funny moment from the from the movie. So I'm gonna be staying here for a while. Uh, things are all fucked up at the North Pole. See, Mrs. Santa caught me fucking her sister, and uh, I'm out on my ass now. <laughs> just casually having this conversation yeah. with a little kid. That's the, that's the clip, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm going to be staying there for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, the Mrs. Claus caught me fucking her sister in the North Pole. And like, and, and just the bright-eyed, little, sweet, dimple. And the kid's like... He he's he's so excited because he's convinced he's the real Santa. Yeah, Santa's even though he has house. like five o'clock shadow and he smells of whiskey, probably <laughs> and, and piss. I'm sure. You know, he's scrawny. Yeah, and piss for sure. <laughs> well, because he does piss himself at one point. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> he is not above that. I love how how like. Just to kind of go back to the Tony Cox character, he's Tony Cox is he, you know he needs Will. He's the safe cracker. Yes, but he, he, there's like an air of professionalism, and he's just he's just like the whole damn movie. He's just trying to keep Willie together just enough to to crack just enough. Safe. We just got to get this job done. That's all we got to do, man. <laughs> so yeah, that that's my first pick, Willie from Bad Santa. One of Love my it. favorite scoundrels. <laughs> he is a fantastic scoundrel. Thank you. So let's see. Uh, number number one on my list. I don't. I, I, don't, I didn't put these in any particular order, okay. but I, I think they. I think they fall in a decent enough order as it stands. Anyways, because um, in the in the Marvel universe, which I'm not going with uh, 
with uh, Deadpool, Wade Wilson. Um, but I was like, there. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I had to slap that restriction it, it's, on you. It's a fair. It's a fair restriction. And <laughs> even even of my own, I was like, okay, because there's there's I mean there's a handful of characters in the Marvel universe that yeah. really are uh, you know that are anti heroes. That's it's their true. bread and butter. And so you know, because <clears throat> I was I was really tempted to go with the Punisher because mm. I love I love the Punisher. Um, but outside which of the version net, would you have gone with that um i i i probably would have gone with tom jane okay um he he was when i'd heard i remember hearing the news that tom jane was being cast as the punisher i was like what because <laughs> well, what tom, was I mean, he tom, known for before that nothing and okay. really even still now it's like okay. i don't know that people if i say tom jane to did he, did he people, do the mist before or after punisher? I, I think it was after okay. i think it was after okay. the punisher okay. um I, I mean, he had a handful of things that he was I, in the I vegan squad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, he just like, he's not, he was not a household name. No. And even the things that I knew him from, I was like, okay, this guy does not strike mm. me as the Punisher. Yeah. John Barenthal in that John, was like a good casting call. You're the, like, oh yeah. <laughs> and that, that is specifically why I decided I could not go with the Punisher because I'm like the best Punisher to date uh, even including Dolph Lundgren, I'm like John Barenthal. John yeah. Barenthal is the Punisher yeah. in my estimation. So I'm like, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not going to come in here. And so I was like, all right. Next on my list, uh, out of these guys, uh, even though I just watched Ghost Rider, and he would be, he's another mm. founding member of the Thunderbolts. I had to go with Venom, and so I went with the Eddie Brock Venom uh, character from. <laughs> uh, and I'll, uh, there, uh, this is uh, like I, I was. I was happy this movie did as well as it did. Yeah, because it's surprising um, it, to me. It, it it was it was fair. I like I knew I was going to see it, and I was fairly convinced because I love Tom Hardy. I was like, I really feel like no matter how this performs, I'm going to enjoy it. How did they convince Tom Hardy to be in this? I, I, did I don't. A, he, he did it, and he did an okay job. But it's just like, yeah, he's and he's he was more. He's there because they're filming the second one right now. He's on. He was on board for three of them. Um, oh, wow. contractually and uh, he's more involved in the writing uh, and producing aspect of the second one which is makes me excited because the first one did really do as well as it did and the 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 thing is because because of all the stuff that was tied up um, uh, in the MCU with spider-man mm-hmm. like in spider-man 3 Sam Raimi spider-man 3 we got the character venom because the studio is pushing really hard for it yeah Sam Sam Raimi didn't want to do it. Uh, but the studio is like, no, you got to put him in this one. So I, I don't think Sam Raimi just sabotaged it. But I really, I mean, I just don't understand how anybody has any who has any any true faith in the character or any relationship with with Venom at all. I just don't know how you cast Topher Grace, and I don't know how you <laughs> portray Venom on screen the way they did in Spider Man Three. It, it was just was, I didn't know a lot about Venom other than you know. I'll be honest. I didn't know really anything about Venom, but I know yeah. he, I knew he looked cool. And Venom was, yeah. you know, in the '90s, Venom was really, really popular. I want to say, like, I I, th- I think his first iteration, and I, I, this is more comic book knowledge necessarily than movie, but I want to say his first iteration was a Todd McFarlane. Um, and so, I mean, the you know, you you've got a pretty specific 
kind of visual coming from Todd McFarlane. You have Spawn and that yeah. whole universe. Yeah. So there's and it fit. It really. I mean, that, the lethal that's protector. Dark Horse. Is that what you said? Like, I think I think so. Okay. I think Dark. Um, but um, but yeah. I mean, but he, for I sure, think, he has a distinct art style. And yes. Yeah. And I like and, it. It's cool. And he he started as a villain. He was a villain that moved into the anti-hero role. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, the one thing they did do pre- pretty well in the third Sam Raimi Spider-Man was they had they were pretty true to the origin of how Venom came to be Eddie Brock. But because you've got Spider-Man tied up in the MCU and you don't, we don't have any of the origin of the Tom Holland Spider-Man, which I was glad they did. I was glad they didn't waste a whole movie doing an origin story. They just mm-hmm. said, everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Let's just, he's Spider-Man. We don't need the whole, he got Thank God, no, uh, we don't have to see Uncle Ben get killed <clears throat> again. Yes. It's like, oh, we're, we know he's dead. Okay. Yeah. He's dead. And that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. We got it. Right. Um, Thank God. But, <clears throat> So not with, that he's dead, that, but <laughs> no, because we we're against death. We're against killing self- old. Uh, we're against yes. killing kindly uncles. Yes, just like we're against Jonathan. Brandis. We're against Jonathan Brandis suicide. Yeah, that's a thing that we are staunchly anti. Yes, hashtag um, not me too. Hashtag not me too. Let's get that trending. Folks. Um, let's get that out there. Let's do it. We can <laughs> we can make it a thing. We can we can we can we, do this. We, let's bring Jonathan back to life. Wait, Let's bring no. them. Oh. Let's do it. Oh. <laughs> if you know any friends in the, that you know dabble in the occult, let's see. I don't you know? have any. I don't have any f- like friends who. Yeah, no, I don't. Sorry, but I'll 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 post. I'll make a post on Craigslist. We'll see. Yeah, we'll. You can get some people on Craigslist. Um, but with with the this being a Venom origin story, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting because you can't do it because the Venom origin story is. Spider-Man had the Venom mm. costume first. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, they're going to... And I liked the way that they did it because... And what I really applauded Sony for was Sony's sitting here and they have the rights to Spider-Man. Yes. And I know a lot of people, a lot of the, you know, the quote-unquote true fanboys get really butthurt about, you know, if you mess with anything that's canon. But it's the same kind of problem with some of the Star Wars stuff that just drives me nuts. It's like, okay... If I'm Sony and I own the rights to Spider-Man and right now I'm leasing Spider-Man to Marvel, right. but I have this whole world of characters to work with. Like I'm not I'm not going to condone characters so, too. Good characters. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to condone Sony's idea that we're like we're going to make 50 we're going to make a Silver Sable movie and we're going to make a, you know, it's like no 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 no. Don't just don't just you know, loot and plunder this this whole thing and just drive yeah. it into the ground before too, it has a too much to too fast. Yes. And they they had a lot of, a lot of that on the on the slate, but they they did Venom and they changed up the story and I thought that it really worked. I applauded. It was like, okay, you guys came up with a creative way of integrating this character and bringing him to the big screen and making money with it. So mm-hmm. it was like, I liked that as a fan of the character and as a fan of I'm a huge fan of the spider of Spider Man. Have been since I was a kid. I was like, you know what? This is a creative, new, different way to bring Venom into this world. And it opens up a lot of possibilities for a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it, it's like it was. It was fun. It was good. Um, I, one of the things that I did really enjoy as the movie was developing, they had Jenny uh, Jenny Slate. I love her. Was yeah. she was one of the characters in it? <laughs> and in one of the earliest previews they had, because Venom, you know, the character Venom, he's a symbiote. Um, it's a symbiote costume that bonds with Peter Parker initially and then on to Eddie Brock to create mm-hmm. Venom. Right. But in, in the commercials, um, one of the, it's just a really odd little note on it that was just funny to me is she was saying it's symbiote. 
<laughs> and the, like, the all, why did you read it that way <laughs> we call them symbiotes <laughs> all the fanboys went on the internet and they just like no 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 that's not how you say it it's symbiote Stop it's not symbiote it. and they Stop changed it, it. <laughs> they didn't have to go in and sonic the hedgehog it yeah. but it's like in the finished product she said symbiote and well, does just, that right I, they, yes, they, she, it? <laughs> they, they went and they changed it oh, and so i was like every Jane time Slate. they said, so I was like, okay, well, that was that was. She, fun. she made an acting choice. She made a she made a bad acting choice. Yes, I was like, no, 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 it's not symbiote. Don't get fancy with us here. It's a symbiote. You're you you, you don't know what kind of people you're messing with on yeah, the internet. Yeah, don't here. mess with don't mess with Marvel fanboys. Yeah, they're they're but, one they're two or three steps just behind Star Wars fanboys as the yes. most toxic and awful. Just you know, we we really hate the property that we love. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I will forever not understand that, especially from the Star Wars kids. But yeah. you know, there are, there are Marvel fanboys out there that are, I mean, borderline, if not just as bad as the Star Wars kids. So, oh yeah, from from every <coughs> every 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 yeah. IP has the people. Yeah, and uh, I, I know when when it was uh, first first coming out. I, I mean, it was you know we're kind of on the heels of of Deadpool. We're definitely on the heels of Logan. Mm. I know a lot of people were hoping that. Uh, it would get the R rating and it got the PG 13, which I think still worked. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's when I was like, you didn't, ha- you don't have to press for the R. I mean, I think if they wanted to, they could evolve the franchise into an R rated one, but it, it was when I was like, I think if they would have done it, it would have been mildly gratuitous in the fact that they were just trying to keep up with like Deadpool. And it made sense with Logan. Logan because we, we knew that it was yeah. the last time that Hugh Jackman was going to play Wolverine. And one of the things that always bothered fans of Wolverine was that he wasn't nearly as violent as he is in the comics. And, uh, they, they did it just perfectly in Logan. Yeah. Just perfectly. There wasn't too much, but it was just enough to earn it an R. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I mean, James Mangold did a fantastic job with that movie. I really enjoy that guy. I like that guy. It was so, it was so perfectly balanced. And I think that was the thing is like with, with, with Venom, it's like, all right, I think if we're going to, we were trying to do an origin that's outside of the, uh, of the original, you know, we're trying to expand this Sony Spider-Man universe, um, and on top of that, it was one of those things I was like, if you're, if you're really trying to push for the hard R just because I feel like, you know, I feel like you're going to cheesecake factory this and try and do too many things Please kind of okay stop doing that. Yeah. It's like, just do, just do what you need to do well. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be because I, I did like, um, cause I almost picked it as my scene. There's, there's one point in the movie where, um, Eddie and Venom are having this conversation because they're too you know, sentient uh, beings that are fused into one right. and they're having this conversation and Eddie's in and Venom kind of reluctantly is like, Oh, should, should we go get the bad guy or not? Yeah. And Venom just goes, fuck it. Let's save the world. Yeah. And I, I almost picked that cause I really love that line. Yeah. But the, the, the clip that I, the clip that I sent is the one is kind of the closing. And I felt like it really does represent by the okay. time you have Eddie and Venom fused together as one, really denotes his transformation into an anti-hero. Okay. All right, let's play the clip. Let's do it. But can we get something to eat now? Otherwise, you never... It's starting to look really, really good and juicy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I know a place down here. We got to talk about that accent. Hey, Mrs. C. (laughs) 
How you doing, Eddie? Ain't nothing changed with the weather, you know. No. So, what culinary delights will tickle the pickle tonight? Pito tots and chocolate. Right, okay. Love the vibes. Yes. It's, it's a good choice. Please, I can't keep doing this. Now. Bad guy, right? Yep. I, I love, I just love that dialogue. Yeah. This is a very last you yes. come in here again. In fact, you go anywhere in the city preying on innocent people and we will find you and eat both your arms and then both of your legs and then we'll eat your face right off your head. Do you understand? Please. Yes. So you will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. In the wind. Do you feel me? What the hell are you? We have a little wink. What's our thought? Please. Oh. It just devours him. <laughs> That's a good sign. I, 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 I love it. <laughs> even because I've, I've watched it a number of times. And even when I was watching it earlier, it's like it, it's the the whole that line of dialogue still just gets me because it's like you'll be this armless, legless, faceless thing rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. And I'm like, like a turd in the wind? That's not a saying. No, that's not a thing. That. Like who's using that as he's a colloquialism? An alien. Cut him some slack. <laughs> so he's it was just, just getting, he's learning how to diss. <laughs> I, I love that line, but it's just, it always stands out to me. It's like, that's such a weird line. It I love it, but it's so weird. It is. Yeah. I was like, like a turd in the wind. And I'm like, like a 13 right, year old's going to cheer at that line pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> it's so great. All right. So yeah, but Venom. Yeah, Venom. Venom's your first, your first choice. Nice. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to my second choice. Now th- this let's one's a little it. bit of a lighthearted selection. Um, all right. He's not really a villain at all as much as he is just a foil to the main uh, character of the movie. Uh, but if you ask me, he kind of steals the movie. And he they, he gets several scenes and every scene that he's in and he gets to play he gets to play opposite a lot of the main characters, which is great. Uh, but I'm I'm going to be I'm going to talking about Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Nice. Played yes. by John Grise. Grease? John Grise. I believe that's how it's pronounced. John, John Grise. I've always said right. John Grise. Who, who really I only know from one other thing. He, he plays one of the whip guys from the rundown. Like that's about all I know yes. him from. So yeah, let, let's talk about Uncle Rico <laughs> just for a minute. He he's this he's this guy who apparently had some sort of glory days. He's got some glory days behind him that he's living in, but as as a viewer as an observer of just people you there's you just know that he's he's delusional he's not his idea of the glory days didn't really exist <laughs> yeah they're make believe they're make believe um you know he's got that hair that, i mean we we i think we talked about Napoleon the mustache Dynamite. the mustache is great we we've talked about Napoleon Dynamite recently in a, the aesthetic of just like this this is it Idaho? Yes. I think is where it takes place. Yeah. You're like what what is with the the hair and the in the clothing in the just just everything about the the way just things look in this movie are just kind It of is the cr- land that time forgot. Yeah, it cries early 80s late 70s and down to yeah. his van. 
his orange van. <laughs> that uh, what is a safari? Was it safari? That sounds right. Yeah, it's got I think it's, it's a got safari. like the the camp like not the camper but like the little luggage thing yeah, on the that, top or whatever, yep. little extra storage. So I I just love everything about it. He's just he's so delusional and he's brought in to sort of oversee kind of babysit Napoleon and Kip who. To, I mean, no, we, we know that Napoleon's a, a high school student. We don't really know how old Kip is, but he, yeah, he kind of he's 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 older, I guess. But you get the idea that he should be capable <laughs> of of keeping order in the house, right? but is clearly not. He should be able to 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 feed Tina and and not run up, you know, his his grandma's internet bills that's the thing she's still paying she's still paying for minutes <laughs> uh but but like all the lines of uncle rico it, it, it's like why like why would you why would you say he's he's a villain you know because like, but he does some pretty kind of questionable shit you know he first one of the first things he does that and it's a great scene uh, is when he chucks the steak at napoleon knocking him that is my favorite moment <laughs> in the entire movie <laughs> He he just does it out of meat like it's it's mean, but I don't think he's doing it out of mean. It's just it's just he just doesn't care. It's like a nihilism yeah. <laughs> attitude of his. He's he's driven to he he's really trying to impress Kip. Kip's sort of like his protege throughout the movie. <laughs> you know, he's taking Kip under his wing, he's his business partner, he's giving him love advice like relationship advice with LaFonda. Yes. I, I really like the scene where they're kind of having a, a, a talk about, you know, like Kip's like, so how's, how's your girlfriend? You know, he's like, oh, she, she left me. You know, like that whole scene. And he's, he's kind of got like his arms close to his body and he's, yes. he's sort of admiring his muscles <laughs> as he's talking. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got the, all of the, you know, and he's an enterprising guy, and he's trying to make a buck. sell the Tupperware. Yeah, he's selling <laughs> Tupperware to couples. Like, I love the 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 crappy sailboat. <laughs> he's trying, I want that. I want that. <laughs> you seem like a pretty strong pup, there. Why don't you see if you can go ahead and bust that apart? I love it. He's just like he had the admission that he's like, I can't. He's <laughs> like, so he just looks so defeated in front of his wife. And it's such a great little scene. <sighs> but but there's this, you know, like there's the parts where he's trying to sell uh, Bust Must. Bust Must. Bust yes. Must to Napoleon's to, high school classmates. Oh, it's such a creeper. Oh, it's so creepy. And it's, it's such a villainous, creepy, scoundrel thing to do. And he's just wrecking Napoleon's life, you know. Uh, but I just love it. I just love it. Every Everything about Uncle Rico is pure gold. <laughs> it, it's lightning in a bottle, you know. It's like you you wouldn't necessarily think that this actor is a he, he's not. I don't think known for his comedic chops, but just the pure ridiculousness of the look of Uncle Rico and the situation. You know, he's he he's got the camera on the tripod and he's flipping football. throwing the footballs. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he was recording. And he's trying to get his nephews. To, to watch his shitty tape of him throwing footballs. He didn't even have Y'all want to watch my tape? Yeah, y'all want to watch my tape? <laughs> and it's pretty much the worst that. video ever made. Pretty much, yeah. Napoleon, <laughs> like, anyone could even know that. 
I like when they like sit down on that tiny ass little couch. Oh, it's so. I mean, like that that whole room. I mean, even the VH, the fact that they're like all oh, VHS, yeah, and they got the top loading top VHS. Loader VHS. And, oh, it's like that's so classic. <laughs> but but my, I had to pick the scene where he flips the the steak at at Napoleon. That that's gotta that's be, my favorite. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and play that clip. Back in '82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. <laughs> just grab this gift. Just grab it right off the plate. Pull it right up with that bicycle. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I better go. And he sits back down and just like resumes his conversation. About the like nothing happened. It's my favorite what a, line. <laughs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? <laughs> so, I mean, like, the ridiculousness of his football prowess. If Coach would have put me in, we'd have take State for sure. No doubt. <laughs> and, then, and then later in this particular scene, he's like, hey, Kip, you, uh, you're, you're into, like, internet and, and, and cyberspace and stuff. You ever, you ever come across anything about, like, time travel? <laughs> Easy. Easy, I've looked into it. <laughs> right on. <laughs> one one of the things that I love, especially about that scene, because uh, John, because throughout the movie, that the the stakes is just it's it's almost like it's its own little recurring character because you have <laughs> Lyle, that crazy old man that comes over and shoots the cow in the head <laughs> as that school bus shows up. Yes. Uh, Lyle's coming over like to to get us some more steak. It's like. And these kids just pull up. You just hear the screams of terror from the bus as he, as the gunshot goes off and drops this cow. Dude, he gets as close to that cow's head as you possibly can. Oh, my. It's like he's resting the barrel basically on its face. It's like, no, I don't think that's how this works. No. Overkill. He's got these like, no. two, like, two shells. And and he's just I mean like you could you could almost never really understand anything Lyle says anyways. No, no, no. Yeah, and, the, the and whole so like just, scene where there he's like making money, like Yeah, the lunch. I love the lunch scene. Oh. It's just like the grossest thing ever. <laughs> like Can't a, find my checkbook. Mind if I pay you and change. Right? <laughs> yeah. If they had like the oh, all that lunch. Oh. Every every oh god, yeah, because it's just like it's like nasty. It's like a like white bread. Some sort of nondescript like salad. sandwich. Was it egg salad sandwich? Is that what egg salad sandwich? Okay. Because I think it was like all about hard the eggs. boiled eggs. Just like things you can make with eggs. <laughs> and then like he, like he had like the 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 Sunny D or OJ that he cracked a couple eggs into, yes. just stirred into oh, it. And they're like, oh, Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> yeah, some but breakfast the, champions the, on that farm. The the steaks show up so many times. In the movie, like there, and what's funny is John Grise is a vegetarian. He's a vegetarian, right? And so, like, you can kind of catch it in a couple of the scenes where they had to come really close with the editing, <laughs> yes. where he's taking bites and he chews it, but he spits it he back spits out. It he out, never, yeah. And, and I just, I love that because, like, it, like it's where I was like, you kind of feel like, do we need this many scenes where his character <laughs> is clearly eating nasty steak? It is so or like, gross because yes, it's like we, in a 
puddle of nasty steak juice. This is not steak you want to eat anyways. He's like cutting it and dipping it in the steak juice. He's like, oh, like, no, 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 no. This is not something that humans should consume. No. And so it's like, not only is it just the worst kind of steak, but it's like, why do we need so many scenes where John Grise has to specifically be eating steak, even though he's in real life, he's clearly a vegetarian. I was just like, fifty cents a we pound. Not? That's steak. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that that's my number two scoundrel. That is a great number two, Napoleon. <laughs> like anyone could even know that. <laughs> I just I love that. That's his argument. I love that. It's like it, it's like Napoleon it's a good point, has made though. his it's claim. A good point. It's the worst video ever. <laughs> Napoleon, like anyone could even know that. He's just purporting that there's no way, Napoleon, that you've watched every single video uh, on the planet God, to where you could make really... such an outlandish critique. Doesn't it feel like people have forgotten about Napoleon Dynamite? I, th- I think they have. I, we've watched it. I mean, I've watched it with the kids a couple times because they thought it was hilarious, too. And oh I mean, that's uh, honestly, it's one of those movies I can, I can always turn on and always laugh at it because oh. it is just forever hilarious. All right, so we we have covered three great scoundrels slash anti-heroes. It's your turn. You're up, sir. All right, number two, and uh, I just rewatched this movie again the other day. I always watch it in uh, every 5th of November just because that's that's why it's – that's the time frame. It specifically denotes in the film. A little hint Uh, for you listeners out there. Yeah, I'll give you a little build up in case you want to try and make a guess. Oh, what movie? The fifth of November. <laughs> um, and this one, this is this is the other because this is based on a uh, I forget. It's an offshoot of DC Comics. Vertigo. Vertigo. Yeah, Vertigo. Yeah. I was going to say. I think it's Vertigo. Yeah. Um, same, same as Constantine. Yes. Um, and this this is another. I was like, I, I don't know why DC Comics can do these movies as well as they do. Because I love John, I love Constantine, and I love this movie V for Vendetta. Because to, nobody cares about them, and, and, they're, and they're, cheap, like, they're cheap to make. I, that's I, it. Must because the the thing about like this one, they got the Wachowski brothers. I mean, they got these are the guys that did the Matrix, but they didn't direct it though. Like, weren't they just like producers or something? I'll have to double check. They, you, I, you, I know you, they were. You, you keep talking. I'll look into that. Okay. I'm sure I'm not wrong. Uh, I just I remember them being specifically involved in oh, it. And, their and, names were in the tra- the trailers. Yeah. So they, they it was big like the Wachowski brothers, the Wachowski brothers. Yeah. Which Wachowski's now present. They're one brother and one sister. Um, yeah, it was directed by a guy named James McTeague. Okay. And James McTeague is known for not much of anything else. He he directed The Raven. With John Cusack. With John and, Cusack. Yeah, and he directed that ninja assassin movie that I've oh. seen in boxes. <laughs> I was really right. hoping you were going to say something outlandish like getting even with dad. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I never. Well, now that's it's possible. It, that, that's just part of you know you know like IMDb has the four. Yes. No, V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta is his directorial debut. Debut actually. Well, it was. I, I, that's he why it's just five I mean, like, episodes of Sense Eight, by the way, too. Yes, yeah. that's okay. That makes sense now. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, because I've never seen that. So um, <laughs> me neither. But uh, <laughs> but I know like, some people this, like it. So you know, for those people, this this movie. I mean, I I, I thought. I mean, like the. I mean, because you've you've got a number of British actors that mm-hmm. are semi recognizable. You know, if you follow anything John British, Her- uh, John uh, Hurt. 
Yeah, John Hurt. Yeah. Um, and then, he, I mean, even uh, some of the the lesser known guys, if you've watched anything, I mean, if you watch a lot of BBC stuff, Stephen you'll recognize Fry. some of the, yeah, um, you'll recognize some faces in there. Um, even down to uh, the detective. Rupert Graves. I've seen, yeah. Um, I've, I've seen uh, a number. And, and then his, uh, his, uh, his sidekick uh, police officer, he was in the Sherlock um, when Benedict Cumberbatch was doing Sherlock. He was in mm-hmm. those with, uh, with him. So there's a number. And then you, you have, um, um, Ashley, uh, uh, or no, not uh, Natalie Portman. Just, Natalie Portman. I was, um, I was like, why? Why? I've totally been lost. drinking, and I know things. Holy shit! I'm one yes. holes. Peter you, Dinklage. You, you are. <laughs> you've made it. You've made it, sir. Um, I'm allowed one, one or two moments to shine a month. Yeah, you That's, get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hugo Weaving, man. Yes. What a what a what a starring vehicle for him, man. For for somebody you never ever see on screen, it's just his voice the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and you and like and it was it was just it was such a powerful portrayal of this character, and it's it's one of those like I'm I, I won't get into the political ramifications because we don't do that really on this podcast. Nah, we keep things really. lighthearted, but it's one of those like you know for there's there's a lot of things just kind of anecdotally you can you can see you know some of the, like, well, it's how, like a fascist sort of kind of yeah there's there's this there i mean the, the people that you know orwellian they don't, you know, yeah. yeah and there's there's some there's a I, I feel like you know no matter what you know where you kind of stand on things it feels like people you know kind of this kind of narrative is something people have gotten a lot more comfortable with in mm-hmm. in the world that we live in now and you know we've talked in our state of the cinematic union things are kind of weird kind of uncertain in these times and so it's it's when i was like okay there's there's even even down to uh you know i'm not going to get into conspiracy theory stuff but they're like oh the government they you know what if the government is the one that did the and people like to put their tinfoil hats on and come up with conspiracy theories they do but in in all of this it's like there's there's kind of clearly this oppressive force on the people and then you have uh, you have this character of V played by uh, Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. and he he just he represents. He's like, no, 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 you can kill a man, mm-hmm. and and that's and then uh, you know that he goes away, but you can't kill an idea. Yeah, it's like, and if he and so he just has this representative. It was like this, you know, the, I'm going to stand for the people, and I love the. Uh, it's one of my favorite lines. It's probably my favorite line from the entire movie when he says. Um, People should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their of its people. Mm, and yeah. I, I just I love it. It's just such a great line. And it the, gets the you whole, fired I mean, up a little bit. Yeah, it, it it really does. It's like you know, just this the the idea of the injustice, the the oppression being put on a people, and what it means to kind of say, hey, let's put aside all of our stuff, like neighborly. But it was like, oh, you you think this way, and I think that way. It's like, well, what if we stopped? you know, being against each other and said, let's turn our attention on the actual oppression and stand up for ourselves. And in, in that kind of that noble respect there, that's what I like about the characters. Like he's incredibly violent and he's in, you know, he, and he, you know, there's, there's kind of, I mean, oh, the way that, yeah. he's oh a yeah, the way that, the way that V, I mean, like in, in his, you know, his debut is like, okay, he shows up and he, there are these, the finger men, this kind of secret police, the Gestapo guys that are, Basically, you know. yeah. And so he, and he, he has takes the V a, speech. Yeah. And that's a, because I, I almost went with that clip because it's such a great little speech. Oh, it's great. 
<clears throat> and there's there's several of those in the movie that are just really like the dialogue. I think is. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I love about the movie is there's so many great instances of dialogue, and then there's you know there's kind of mystery and intrigue as the story unfolds, and you have kind of these the the loyal party members, the guys that are closest to this uh, this sort of dictator that they live under now. Yeah, and they start to kind of question like, wait a sec, what if everything I thought was true isn't? And you have this transformation of Evie and and some of, I mean, just some of the stuff that was really fun in the way that, you know, some of those Easter egg kind of stuff where it's like, her name is Evie. E is the fifth letter of the alphabet. V is, you know, the the Roman numeral five. Mm -hmm. So you've got some, some, some fun play throughout the movie. You have. Now, is this, is this like a book or is it just, just comics like this? I I think, I think it's a, a, um, uh, what what do they call them? I think it's a graphic novel. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. And so I, I think it's just that's so it well is. written. I, I just it, can't it believe really it's is. like I can't believe it's like a graphic novel or, you know, a graphic novel is like you know a fancy comic. You know, <laughs> yeah, like a comic with a bigger budget, more or less. Because to me, it's kind of it. It feels like it's on par with like a Christopher Nolan um, Dark Knight kind of thing or Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan Batman Begins where it's like he's drawing from directly from a handful of different graphic novels, but still crafting a story through you know somebody who's clearly competent at writing you know all of this stuff and putting it together yeah so and there's you know there's the towards the end of the the film you see kind of this this vision being played out and uh, and there's there's another scene that i really like where uh uh, the the lead detective he's he's starting to kind of put all this stuff together and he, he has this this line where he says with all this chaos um, someone will do something stupid and then like the riots will break out and yeah. there's kind of this foreshadowing but um, at at the end when V uh, kind of has his his final moment and where it it feels like um, you know, he's been vilified by the state and in some lights he's a protagonist because he's standing up for the people. But the anti-hero part is like, okay, well, you know, he wouldn't just outright murder people. That's some people would call him a terrorist. And that, and that's the, the terrorist V. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the duplicity of his nature is like, Oh, the government's calling him a terrorist, but the people think he's a hero is like, Oh, but he's killing people. Oh, but he's, he's changing our ideas. Yeah. And you, you have this point. It's all perspective and your point of view. Exactly. And, and in the, in the, the the final, he works out this deal with Creedy, who's like the head of the fingermen. He's the, he's, you know, you have John Hurt, who's the Adam Sutler. He's the dictator guy that's yeah. running everything. Right. Um, but Creedy really just has that just villainous kind of taint to him. Or he's just like, uh, <laughs> this guy's, this guy's the bad, he's a bad that's a guy. That's a great way to describe it. <laughs> and, um, and so he, he works out this deal with Creedy to produce Sutler because he knows that Sutler's hidden. I mean, he's just some feeble old man. It's not like he's, he can't overpower guys. So he right. works out this deal and he brings him Sutler and he's like, in exchange for this, I'll let you kill me. So you look like the, you look like the hero and mm. you can, you know, stand victorious, but V has other plans. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to have the last laugh and yeah. he's going to, he's going to win out. So the scene, the scene that I picked is towards the end when he okay. has this exchange with uh, Creedy. All right, let's play the clip. Let's do it. Kill him.
It's a lot of explosions and gun, well, gunshots going off. And I, I love because when when the Wachowskis did uh, um, the first Matrix and they really kind of pioneered the bullet time yeah. uh, filmmaking. This scene is Matrix as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I love because it, it's got it's like they took it and elevated that in how they did it. And I really appreciate just the camera work and the visuals of this scene. He's got the knives. Yeah, just there's the swirling and just kind of that that momentum that they, that it creates. I love that. I do, yeah, because you you it's like in a you know like when you read a comic book and there's motion, you see little motion yes. blur. Yep. They they pulled that off in this, which is pretty cool to see. And there's a lot of blood. This movie's clearly R-rated. Yes, I, I love I love that little moment when you know Creedy has all his guys and they're just blowing away, you know, the guns and all that, and then he's. he's kind of stumbling over because you're like okay clearly this guy should be dead now right but then he ha- he just kind of he gains his composure and he kind of as, as his face lifts up he just goes my turn and i love that as like oh it's just like yeah it's it's a, it's it's a cool it's a cool scene it's lit really it's what well. i was like oh, i love i just love that line and then he's because he fulfills his promise like you'll all be dead before you can reload your guns the part that i like is like he's killing people at such a rapid pace you know, like there's all the shooting. They're shooting it at him. Yes, and he's killed probably four men at, at already. And you see a guy. He's you know he's he's fired his six rounds and he's emptying the his shells. Yes, you know you got that scene where like the shells are being emptied out. And he's just he's just going from guy to guy, killing them like you know like they're nothing. <laughs> and it, and it, it really it really matches because there's that whole that whole symphonic kind of tone throughout the movie because he uses those different pieces of music that have all been outlawed you know the, at the beginning when he blows up the old Bailey and he uses the eighteen twelve overture and he's yeah he's got this classical music so like in this the the fluidity in which he moves around in the scene in that slow motion bullet timey kind of way when he's killing these guys it re- it's it's like this symphonic kind of execution where he is like these guys are frantically trying to like wait a minute well, we thought he'd be dead mm-hmm. like no, no 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 he's gonna get the last laugh here it's a good job by james mcteague i mean i know he had the watchful eye of the wachowskis but that as yeah. for a directorial debut it's not bad it and it, i mean like it's when i was like when it, from when it came out it was a, i want to say like maybe you it was early to mid 2000s maybe uh it was released in 2005 Okay, yeah. And I, I remember seeing theaters. Uh, the Nick and I saw that, and I, I, I mean, I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's when I was like, to me, it's like it's still just as good as it was fifteen years ago. I'm like, this I is Natalie a really Portman great does movie. some of her best acting in this movie. She, she, uh, she, sh- and she shaved her head for it. She didn't. Yeah, I mean, she actually shaved off all of her hair for it. And I was like, she did. That yeah. is some serious dedication she was to the in role doing the media circuit with a bald ass yeah. fuzzy peach fuzz head <laughs> yeah she and she was she was really great in the movie she yeah, was fantastic she made up for the queen amadala yes absolutely <laughs> all right moving on to my number three our number Let's five so we're we're about halfway through this, this is halfway boy. yeah okay so my next uh scoundrel slash anti-hero I don't even know what you want to call this character. I don't even know if he necessarily fits into that uh, category. Even the the two of those, he's he's more of a crazy person, <laughs> and he doesn't necessarily stand for anything uh, like a V. Uh, but he's he's a delight to watch, and every every second that he's on the screen, you're mystified. You're just you're just drawn in. It's like you're hypnotized by his performance. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about Walter Subcheck from The Big Lebowski. Gotcha. John Goodman, uh, who is a, a former Vietnam. He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's best friends with the dude who is a hippie uh, pacifist. <laughs> uh, and the, the one thing that the, the thing that they share, the, the only reason they're even friends, apparently, is that they, they're on this bowling team. They don't really ever explain it necessarily like the origins of Walter and the dude. But they're they clearly have history and they're really close and have you know they they they're kind of like they have sort of like almost like a family bickering kind of relationship but they yeah. love each other. Uh, but but Walter's an insane person, you know. Like every, every oh absolutely scene, every scene that he's in that escalates, he's abusing somebody mentally, verbally. Poor Donnie, you know. <laughs> uh, he, he's given he's steering dude the dude the wrong way left and right and like he's absolutely you know it's not i mean the dude the dude doesn't need any help to, to be steered in the wrong direction he's sort of this kind of no he can do that all on his own on his, on his own but the, but but what makes walter so appealing in such a quote-unquote scoundrel slash like anti-hero he is is his conviction you know, like he he believes. Like I, I'll watch a guy. I'll go along with a character in a movie, like if they're confident. You know, like he's such a confident yeah. character. And there, there's just something about him too. Like he's talking about, like he's he, you know, he's he converted to Judaism, and you're like, don't don't you know, like don't call me on Shava. You're like I can't, I can't drive on Shava. <laughs> like no, you're you're a former you're a Vietnam veteran who carries a handgun with him to the bowling alley. And threatens poor Smokey. <laughs> he jumped. He went over the line. You got to deduct those points. I mean, he's an he's an actual psychopath. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's just I, I just love him. I just enjoy the hell out of him. I, I I could watch a whole entire movie. Like I know there was a wasn't there a movie with the Jesus with John? Totoro? Yeah, I think they made something fairly recently with that. I want to see a Walter spinoff, man. That that would have been the character. Right there. I mean, you know, no no disrespect to John Turo. I think he's phenomenal. And I like the Jesus character. He's very mysterious and, and also has his own, like, sort of machismo and cockiness yeah. to him. Uh, but I, I, every scene in the bowling alley just is some of my favorite scenes in movies. I just really, really enjoy it. And, you know, Walter, he's, he's helping the dude out in, uh, you know, like... It, like well, well, there's the scene where they they go to the kid's house and his father is in the the iron lung. Yeah, and it's just every these, all of his actions are misguided, ill informed. You know, just he's a bad man, but he's also he he he's not a bad man. Yeah, it's like there's a, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of question. Like they punctuate him with a question mark on a lot of the stuff that happens. Absolutely. Like, like his huh. eulogy of Donnie, like there's he yes. he loved and cared for Donnie, <laughs> and you know they spread his ashes like all over, dude, <laughs> and he's just like I'm <laughs> sorry, you know there's, there's just like a childlikeness, the childlike kind of nature to his his actions, like he's not all spit and and vinegar and you know tough, he has vulnerable moments, yes. And I just I think that makes a great anti-hero. I think that's that's a good quality of an anti-hero. You know, on the outside you're tough, you're kind of crazy, 
you you they're you know like thick skin like you nothing can get to you but in, but on the on the other side of the coin there's a tenderness to you and uh you know like there's a history there like what happened to Walter <laughs> like what what led what events led him to be like the way he is I mean was it Vietnam I guess <laughs> PTSD Vietnam Vietnam well uh, I I think that's I mean with with uh, John Goodman I think that's that's one of the I mean. To, to really round out the, the character. And I think it's definitively a credit to his acting ability is mm. because, I mean, he can, he's played so many different roles and he can, oh he gosh. can, he can go across the gamut mm-hmm. as, as far as, and so I, in, in, to play a character like this, you know, you, you can see where he's drawing from so many different wells to where it's like, okay, we want you to play. A psychopath in the scene is like, okay, I can totally do that. <laughs> I was like, now, well, we want you to kind of back it off a little bit. We want when everybody kind of like, you know, feel for you a little bit. It's like, okay, I can do that. And it's like, it's just, and, and I he's think got that's, that crew cut, that short, yes, crew all cut. the buzz, and, yes, yeah, and like the like the tinted sunglasses, the glasses, yep, and that like chin strap, that whole beard. look, yeah, the look of of Walter is part of his appeal. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he's very intimidating. John Goodman's a large man. But, but I think that's part of it too. Is people are familiar with John Goodman and a lot of his more um, family friendly, good yeah. dude. You know, like like blue collar worker. You know, like Dan, Dan Connor. You know, people know him as Dan. Oh Connor. yeah, they know him as Fred Flintstone. They know him as King Ralph. <laughs> he's he's a lovable guy, but when you put him in this like kind of scary, questionable dude who could. You know, like I said, carries a, a handgun with him and will pull out his gun and threaten another bowler. Just a hair trigger temper. <laughs> yeah, you again, know that it would not take much. He's giving the dude the worst advice at every turn. Yeah. <laughs> but the dude puts up with him, and I figure that there has to be a reason for that. Like there has to be a redeeming quality to Walter. So anyway, well, and and that's uh, and. To that, I think that's one of those things where it's like because you don't know, it's up to Jeff Bridges and John Goodman to really make you believe that they are they have that relationship. Yeah. And I think that's why it works out so well because yeah. you really you you believe it. You're like you can look at John Goodman, you know, and, and make some really easy knee jerk judgments on who this guy is. You're like, yeah. and most of them are going to be accurate. <laughs> you, as you get to see him more in the movie, you get to unfold and, yeah. and unravel some of the character. You question and then, the dude's, you know, relationship. Like, why yeah. are you friends with this guy? But then why the dude has earth? his own faults. Yes. And that's what makes their friendship so, so genuine feeling. You know, they're just a couple of guys floating through space. You know, they don't have any ambitions. Uh, they live modest lives. They, they in in the, the whole center of their universe is a rug and bowling. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. like the thing for those guys. But and I, they just I, kind of they find themselves where they are, and they're like, "All right, we're both going to be here. Let's just let's do it together. Yeah, so let's anyways, be in this." I got I got a scene. I've already mentioned the scene, but I'll go ahead and play it out. Dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Market eight, dude. Uh, Excuse me. Yes. Market zero. Next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Market eight, dude. 
Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just, <laughs> hey, man, it's Smokey. So this it's so slipped no. over a little, you know? It's this just a bowling. game, man. This is a league game. This determines this is who enters the next round game. robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. I love Smokey. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smokey, my friend. There's you're the entering the world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame and eight, you're entering the world of pain. <laughs> I'm not. A world of pain. Oh my god. This is your partner. Is the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Mark it zero! Just hold the cops, man. Put the piece away. Mark it zero! Walter, put the piece away. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here? Mark it zero! God damn, I love that scene. It's the Cohen brothers. I mean, what can you say? It's just like a, it's the type of scene that's their specialty. And, uh, you know, you got poor Donnie. He's leaning back like he's such a he's such an innocent in this in this trio of characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's my number three. Walter. That's a good call. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good call right there. Appreciate it. All right. Give me your <sighs> give me your number three. All right. Number three. This this one. This one, I think, is a little bit more. Um, you know, I say off the beaten path. It's not like no one's ever heard of it, but. Um, I, I feel like in recent years, it's one of, one of the, um, one of the less popular Tom Cruise characters that he's played that, uh, I, I feel like that's unfortunate because I think, especially in the first outing for Jack Reacher, um, I, I feel like the first, I mean, not that the second one wasn't good, but I feel like the first one was really, it was a fun little movie that mm-hmm. I, it was, it was kind of a, I mean, you know, he, um, Tom Cruise has been playing these big, over-the-top, you know, Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, you know, he he had he's done a couple of like uh, Spade. He had done uh, Edge of Tomorrow, um, where he was you know reliving the same day over and over and over as the you know yeah, futuristic I really that mercy. Movie, by the way. I that, that was a good movie. I, I thought rated. that was a great movie. Um, he did Oblivion with Morgan Freeman. It was another sci-fi futuristic kind of thing. So he had kind of some very. Um, you know, solid motifs of things that he was doing it. And Jack Reacher kind of slid in there yeah. in the midst of all this. And it's, it's based on a book series. Right. And it was, and uh, recently, I think we had mentioned it uh, maybe a few podcasts ago that uh, it was one of the roles that Dwayne, the rock Johnson really wanted. And I've never read the books. I, I think from what he had said that you're right. You mentioned that he, he thought that he was a shoe in for it because of this, the stature. And it's like, when you look at Dwayne Johnson and you look at Tom Cruise, you don't think, Oh, these guys could, play each other in a movie it's like no they're very different <laughs> yeah they different really physical building build up and so they're polar for, opposites yeah <laughs> for tom cruise to get this character that apparently looks you know or in the book is maybe a lot closer to like a dwayne johnson physique i you know it's it, i think even when we were talking about it, i was like it's when i was like it's tom cruise mm-hmm. how do you how do you like if tom cruise shows up for it it's like we could get tom cruise to play this role why would we not yeah, you know, like, he's still a very bankable movie he, star. He's Tom Cruise, yeah. and I, I, I don't know, I don't know I, how the movie did um, financially. I mean, it, there was a they made a sequel, so they I think it did well enough. Yeah, it did well enough. But it was, I mean, it was, it was a fun little movie. It was this. Well, this uh, is in the midst of the Mission Impossible Renaissance. Yes, like Rogue. Uh, what was it? Rogue Nation. Yeah, Rogue Nation because they had Ghost Protocol and they had Go- Rogue Nation. Yeah, well, this, yeah. So, and those and those movies in recent years have gone on to be bigger and bigger blockbusters. Yes. 
So this this is kind of an in between movie for him. You know, like, yeah. like you said, he did Oblivion. He did uh, the the world is not enough. You know, like so or not not the world is not enough. Uh, the end, the edge of tomorrow. Where, where the yeah. hell did I get the world is not enough? Yeah. So the, these are these are movies that could be like in a in in another era, Tom Cruise would have ridden it to you know three hundred million dollar box office gross. But, yeah. You know, so but but I think he was he, he had yet to be all the way back Tom Cruise. He's he's back to Tom Cruise, I think now. Yeah, I would uh, say so. Yeah, but I I do I do like this movie. There's some is a pretty decent supporting cast. You got your your Richard Jenkins is in it, I think. Yep. He, yeah, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's he's been popping up in more and more stuff. Um, um, well, Jai Courtney's in this thing. Yes, I think he plays and, the bad guy more or less. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's the the agent of the bad guy that. Oh, and Robert then Duvall's have, in it too. Like there's a re reuniting oh, yeah. of Robert Duvall because he yeah he's he owns the um, he owns the shooting range that he ends up at, and then you got Rosamund Pike uh, yes, who plays she's always the. Great. She's always great. Uh, she's fantastic in it, um, and because it's I mean it's it's a decent it's a decent oh, little thriller. I mean, there's Werner Herzog in it for crying. Oh out. yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> always, oh, always amazing Werner Herzog. Anytime he shows up, I just because I could listen to him all day long. I could listen oh, to yes. his voice all day long. All day long. Uh, and <laughs> his documentaries are the best. And it like he's in, especially in recent years, he's to me, he has moved into like that Christopher Walken phase of his life. Oh, good point. Where he, yeah. where he's done so many, I mean, just unbelievably phenomenal things <laughs> with such seriousness and such, I mean, deft of hand and, and how he's, you know, I mean, everything he's done, you're like Warner Herzog. You're like, oh, this guy's phenomenal. Right. But he like now, he, like his voice will pop up and stuff. And you're like, that's Warner Herzog. It's, that's like, Warner Herzog, right? <laughs> and you're like, this is an episode of Rick and Morty. What is Werner Herzog doing in an episode of Rick and, Rick and Morty? And you're Christopher like, Walken's a very apt analogy. Yeah. I, but I, I love, I love that for actors that kind of find that, you know, it's it's almost like this this second honeymoon for him, where it's like, you know, <laughs> well, he's I've a documentary done guy, right? I mean, yeah, like, that's what he's known for. He did like the Grizzly Bear documentary. Yeah, the whoa, oh, what was it called? I can't remember, but uh, he he's done a ton. He's done a ton of documentaries. And but, and I mean, he, and he's well, he was he, in Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like he just he shows up in all these places. We're like. This is not like why is Werner Herzog here? But <laughs> yeah. you're like I don't. I'm not. I'm like no. I, I don't want him to leave. Voice. That's why I'm he's just here, like apparently. This is amazing that he's here. Like yeah. I didn't imagine that I would run into him here. Like I thought yeah. I was just going to come in for a Slurpee. And here's Werner Herzog. What the? <laughs> why is and he? So, why is he checking me out at the counter right now? <laughs> this is this is unprecedented. But he in this he, Grizzly he, Man. I mean, that was the movie that I was trying to think of earlier. He, I mean, he plays a fantastic villain in, mm. in this in this movie because he's he's kind of the puppet master behind the whole plot of what's yeah. going on here, and, um, and 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 you've got you've got Jack Reacher, this guy that's kind of like he's off the radar, um, and he's he's kind of I mean like he's just this badass dude, yeah. That he's kind of like an Ethan Hunt, really. Yeah, he, he, he it's it's very it's very much a, a, an amalgamation of of a lot of what Tom Cruise does anymore, yeah. and maybe maybe that's what made it kind of you know sort of white noise in everything else that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I but I, it's when I was like, if, 
it's this this to me is one of those movies like you know it's not it's not one i'm gonna say oh you gotta see jack reacher like drop what you're doing and go watch jack reacher no but it's worth but a watch it's one of those it is, like it's, it's worth a watch movies so. yeah it's like you know i would say if you haven't seen it rent it not well, like when i was like the first jack reacher but i haven't seen the second jack reacher I, I own I, this. I I think I just went ahead and got the second one when it came out because I think I missed it in theaters. It was like I loved the first one, yeah. even if the second one isn't in, as good. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll the dice on it. And it was I mean it was still enjoyable, but it was when I was like I really enjoyed the first one, and so I think it was just it didn't measure up as well in my opinion to the in the second one, mm-hmm. but it was still a worthwhile film. Yeah, totally. So. Um, no, so I guess the, I'll roll roll the clip here. Go ahead, go ahead and roll it. This is the introduction of Jack Reacher, kind of at the beginning. Of the we have the Mac and me. Jack Reacher. Oh yes, <laughs> Jack Reacher, born Jack, not John, no middle name, is a ghost. No driver's license, car no expired, no residence, car no former, no credit cards, no credit history, no PO box, cell phone, email, nothing. Can you at least tell me who he is? Well, I can tell you who he was. Blood military, born and raised on bases abroad. Mother was a French national, father in the Corps. His first trip to the United States was to attend West Point. Four years later, he ships out for good. It's the expedition. Iraq, Afghanistan, <laughs> expedition. I, 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 you name it. I love I love how this scene plays out because it's one of those like you know you know with with any good movie you, they show you instead of just telling you this isn't a this is a formidable dude here's his rap yes like here's all the stuff that he's done and you have kind of this really casual you know you're following him you don't get this reveal until the very end but you're just kind of following him going through this real casual like yeah okay I gotta go do this lifetime in the military he just girls checking him out. And then for only the, the second will. time in his life. <laughs> yep. He He's like, all right, I need a new set of clothes. I'll drop these in the bed on my way out. You know, you know what this movie reminds me of? Social security and, and it's, it's his as far as it's like an analog to this movie with a similarly huge movie star who's not as big as he was. It reminds me a little bit of The Accountant. Oh, yeah, I can see that. like Ben Affleck is this like really dangerous guy who's very capable. Chris Kling. And, you know, he just, he just, he could just beat the hell out of you, like, at a moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They've been working on a second one of those for forever, and I hope it still comes true, because I really enjoy the first one. They do. I hope it has Andrew Kendrick in it. Obviously, you don't find this guy unless he wants to be found. And he's a ghost. Excuse me, sir. That's basically the scene right there. So, yeah, it's the scene to to let the audience know what type of character we're dealing with here. And I, I love that as it as it closed out, she's like, "Excuse me, sir." And then he's like, "Jack Reacher." He's like, "How do we find this guy?" He's like, "Yeah, this is a guy that, and you know, unless he wants to find you, you're not going to find him." And they're like, "No, oh, I'm sorry, I cut that off short, didn't I?" No, okay. no, I, I think I think the clip cuts it off. I, I don't, I, but she just she's like, okay, "Jack Reacher's here for you." I just I love the way that that, <laughs> that comes together. It's like, well, how are we going to find? Because like, it, it's a snappy accused, little, it's a snappy little scene for sure. It, yeah, it's a, and I just I love that. Because to me, it, it like it, it is such a Tom Cruise introduction where it's like he just has the whole thing really follows him. Oh yeah, it, to, to this moment, around. and then it's like here's the reveal. It's like, hey, I'm Jack Reacher. What do you need? Right. And right. it he he's just so and he flashes he's that so Tom cocky. Cruise smile. The Tom Cruise smile. And you're like, oh, you're <laughs> risky you're just, business. He's been doing it. You like fall in love with years. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've I have always been a fan of Tom Cruise. I continue to be a fan of Tom Cruise. There were there were the dark years, but uh, I'm glad to see him. He's back. He's back on. He's 
he's, we'll say still he's back doing on it. top, but he's still up there. They they just made announcements about I think was it uh, seven and eight for uh, Mission Impossible. Those are I mean that's that's another one of those franchises that I, I think you know is, is kind of similarly to Fast and the Furious. I don't know that anybody ever envisioned that Mission Impossible would be getting an eighth installment. Mm-mm. Not especially after the second I mean, like, one. Yeah. No, we did because like the first one I was like oh the first this because the first one was really different mm. than the original TV series because you had it's oh a wait Brian a De Palma movie. It's yep. got a, it's got a very Brian De Palma. Pama-y vibe to it. Well, they they recently showed it on the uh, Sunday night movie. Laura and I have yeah. been watching that. We've we've had like a standing Sunday night movie date, which has been kind of fun. Feel a little bit nostalgic. It's great. You know, you're watching your Love old, it. old movie with like the old bumpers and stuff. And uh, yeah, so they had they had Mission Impossible a couple weeks ago, and uh, it it's a movie that's very difficult to follow. Like you have to watch it a few times to even know what yeah. the hell's happening. And Laura was very confused because she had never seen it. And she kept asking me, and like, I've seen the movie a dozen times, so like, I know what's happening. Uh, there, there were more than a handful of occasions where I had to sit and, 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 and you know, like, explain, like, oh, well, you know, like, this is happening because of this, and he's saying this because This is of that. who this is and why they're right. doing that. This is, yeah, this is the double cross and the triple cross, and, like, oh, you know, like, he, she, she cares for him, but she's still betraying him. Like, this is, like, a lot of those types of scenes, and it's, I, I really dig it. It's a good movie, and two fucked well, it all up, but three, three came back. <laughs> well, because I, I know, I mean, in the first one, because when you go back to the original TV show, which was based off of mm-hmm. Jim Phelps, you know, he's he's the he's your hero. He's the guy that you right. follow after. So to make to make the leap to the big screen, and and the reveal is that Jim Phelps is the bad guy. Yeah. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. So I know that the like the movie was still a success, but played I know by that John I mean, Voight expertly played John, by Voight. John Voight. Yeah. I, I know that that kind of threw a lot of people. It's like, wait a minute, Jim Phelps is the bad guy. Yeah, but so it's like it was still. I mean, a standalone. I thought it was a great movie, and, and it then was the a second, great follow up for Ving Rhames too. Like coming yes. off of like Pulp Fiction, gave him a little more dimension. You know, like you had uh, is it John uh, John, John Renault? John Renault. Yep. Yes. Uh, and 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 poor poor uh, Coach Bombay. <laughs> oh, he's. Didn't make it past the yeah, opening he sequence. Have, I would have loved is, to have seen him in more Mission Impossible movies. Tom Cruise is clearly meant to be the protagonist and the one you root for. But within the framework of the, of the movie and in the series, he's a clear gray area. You he, don't yeah, know he exists, whether he's good or bad. <laughs> you're like, okay, this guy's, you know, like he's... Cause, and even that the dynamic with uh, Rosamund Pike was like, okay, she's going to defend the guy who's on trial here. And Reacher's helping her out, but she's like, whoa, 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 This isn't how you do things. Yeah. This isn't how the legal system works. You can't just go around beating people up. Right. You can't go around right. doing whatever you want to find justice. And he's like, yeah, I can. I'm Jack Reacher. I'm Jack Reacher, <laughs> baby. All right, moving on to my number four. Number four. Okay, so my number four is a character that has now three movies, a video game, and uh, hopefully future movies. I think... Um, I think the movies have all been pretty good. Uh, some I like more than others, of course, but uh, when when you think of the name Vin Diesel, you might think Fast and the Furious, or you might think uh, Groot, but what I can't help but think is Riddick from the, the like, you know, that whole series, Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Chronicles of Riddick. Riddick, the movie. <laughs> Uh, the the Butcher Bay game that came out for the Xbox back in the day. 
the the Riddick character is the only reason I'm really familiar with Vin Diesel. Like I know I saw I saw Saving Private Ryan like everyone else saw. And he was just sort of like a secondary character in that movie. A memorable character, but you know, that wasn't like the movie that was necessarily gonna get him like you know, like Vin Diesel wasn't gonna become a household name because of his role in Saving Private Ryan, but Riddick is a is a household name type movie. And I, I just really enjoy his character. Like he's clearly a bad dude. You know, he's yes. he's in prison for reasons. <laughs> Probably he's he's murdered some people. He's had he's some, done some questionable things. Yeah, he's done he's done some Jack Reacher things. You know, he's he gets things done by uh, not necessarily legal means. And uh, you know, I, and I think this is also—is this from a comic book? Maybe it is. I'm not sure. Maybe it just it sort of feels like a, it could be. Yeah, it feels like it could be. Maybe maybe it's a it's a maybe it's become a comic since the first movie. But when Pitch Black came out, um, I was just really really intrigued by this dude. You know, he's got like the gravelly voice. He's got like you know the shaved head, like he's he's like a really rough around the edges version of The Rock, and you know like Vin Diesel, I think gets shit on a little bit nowadays. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, especially when you look at Fast and the Furious, and like there's kind of this clear division between Vin Diesel and The Rock, and most people prefer The Rock, which is kind of a shame because Vin Diesel's responsible for the for four. It's an interesting topic of conversation. Like Vin Diesel's responsible for the franchise, but I think The Rock is responsible for elevating it to the point that it is yeah, today. I think that's fair. And and Vin Diesel probably feels a little, well, not probably, definitely has some hard feelings about you know the franchise. Per, you know, like some would perceive that the franchise was taken from him. And uh, but but I guess they solved it with like the whole Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. And I think because I know at one point they were they were not on good terms, and I think yeah. um, Vin Diesel. And, I don't uh, like to hear that because Vin Diesel seems like he sounds like a really cool dude. I mean, he kind of comes I, off as sort of um, a control freak and and whatnot, but like he seems like a nerd, which I can appreciate. Yeah. He's a nerdy guy. He reads comics. He plays video games. Uh, and and he is responsible for some pretty iconic characters of the. 2000s i mean oh easily yeah yeah so i I think i think though they have patched things up so that's that's the that's the good the good news there i'm happy to hear that there's no reason for those two guys to fight they should there's enough no there's enough there are enough franchises to go around (laughs) for these two guys and and fast nine i guess is what they're up to now yeah, F9 is what's we're waiting on. F9, we don't know anything about it really. They're not going to be in space. We know that, right? It's like, got John Cena. John Cena. Hey, ba ba da ba. Got to love John Cena. Uh but 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 Riddick is the character that really, you know, Dom Dom is a cool character in his own right. But Riddick is the and he's he's sort of the prototypical anti-hero to me. You know, he's he's kind of up there with like a Venom in the in the movie sphere. You're not supposed to like him, but there's there's a there's something about him where like the characters and like they look to Riddick as a leader. Yeah, you know, he's a guy that gets they need things him. done. And in a in the hellscape that really is a lot of these Riddick movies, you need a guy like that. 
And like, what, he he could cut your throat or he could save your life. You don't know. You could flip a coin with Riddick. <laughs> well, because in the in the first, because it's been it's been a minute since I've watched. I don't think I ever watched the third one. I remember. Oh, the third watching, one's great. You should definitely. Check I remember what well, I, I can't. I don't think I did. I know I, I I know I watched Pitch Black and I know I watched the Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a whole lot from either of them because it's it's been a little while since I watched them. I should probably bust bust that back out and, and especially having not seen the third one but i know the the whole thing with pitch black was he had had whatever it was done to his eyes so yeah. he could see in the dark yeah in prison and so like yeah that that was the whole thing is like he okay, shined well, his eyes yeah it's like <laughs> they, they they would be in this darkness and no one could no none of the other people could see the the aliens that were threatening to kill and eat all of them and he was like oh well now my my shine can come out here and save the day yeah it comes in pretty handy guy, on a, on a yeah. world where there's no sun and uh, it's being overtaken by nocturnal monsters, basically. No, no, the third one's actually really good. It has, uh, well, Carl Urban was in Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, he was like the main bad guy and he, I think he returns in the third one. But, but uh, Dave Batista, this is like, that was the first oh, movie nice. that I noticed Dave Batista in in an acting capacity. Uh, he's, he's very. Uh, he's very Drax-like in the movie, and he plays a bad guy, so it's worth checking out. Um, it also has, oh gosh, what's her face? She's, I think she's in like Battlestar Galactica or something. She's kind of a nerd favorite. Katie Sackoff, I think is her name. Oh yeah, I was gonna, I, I, I recognize the name, and that's where I recognize it from. I've never watched Battlestar Galactica, but uh, I know that she's within that sci-fi sphere. She's a pretty household name that people yeah, enjoy exactly like i don't watch Battlestar Galactica either but i've heard her name and but yeah the 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 arc of riddick is strange like the first movie he's a he's a bad guy who sort of rises to he he, he kind of rises to the occasion you know you you never really truly believe he's a good guy but he's they turn to him because they don't have any better options they're just trying to survive when this planet turns dark just trying to get off the planet, and in the second one, it's like his vehicle, you know, like that. That was the movie that was supposed to really make Riddick uh, the big thing. That it probably never, it never really became that. Uh, and I was slightly disappointed with Riddick, uh, the Chronicles of Riddick, and uh, the, but they did manage to make a third movie, Riddick. I think Riddick may be the best of the three, and he kind of he kind of returns a little bit more to. The aloof, you know, like bad guy, you know, like you turn to him because you need him, kind of guy. Like you're stuck. It's it's very much. It's a lot like Pitch Black. It kind of returns to its roots in Pitch Black. Um, and there's, I think, rumors of a fourth movie. There was, a, like I said, a video game, uh, Chronicles of Riddick Butcher Bay, I think, or something like that, came out for Xbox, which had a lot of. He did all of the voice acting in, and he's very, you know, he he's a. I think he owns his own game studio. Uh, nice. If I'm not mistaken, he, he's he's really active in nerd culture, which I I because of that I really appreciate him. You know, he's he's kind of like one of us, you know. <laughs> well, I can't. Sounds well, like when you, you find out <laughs> um, Joe Joe Manganiello or however you say his name. He's I mean he's huge into D and D. Yeah. Um, which is that's not a thing that I uh, that I'm. <laughs> necessarily into right. but it's when i was like here's this you know super you know masculine yeah. hollywood you know yeah. kind of guy 
It was like, oh my gosh, Joe Manganiello, the guy's, you know, he's ripped. He's, right. he's like, okay, he's, <laughs> he's <a> totally, <laughs> he, and he's totally into nerd culture. Yeah. And he's, he's like, there's no reason well, he for was me in to the James be a Bob reboot. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I love that, you know, that there's more of that where it's like, okay, it doesn't have to be that like, yeah, I'm this super, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a I'm a beefcake dude, and all I like is it's like no. You can be into Beating nerd up culture. Nerds, yeah, <laughs> no, I was like no. I was like you don't like, and I, I like that. I like that. You know the entirety. Like, I don't have of, to look like the cast of Stranger Things to dig D and D. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like I can be into whatever I'm into, and yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, Riddick Riddick's a really cool character. He's he's you know like a punchline machine. You know, like it's kind of a throwback to the '80s action star kind of deal. And uh, I, I was really mesmerized by him in this movie, in, in, in the in the Pitch Black movie, the first one in particular. So I'll, the the clip that I have is really short. It reminds me a little bit of your Constantine clip from a couple yes. episodes ago. It's real short. It's you know it's one of the one of the earlier encounters when the monsters Riddick takes one of them out, and uh, then you get this scene. Snap its neck. Nice. Did not know who was fucking with me. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> line. It's a great Riddick line. Uh, it, it, well, what makes it so hilarious is you get all these childlike arguments and, and hurt feelings between like The Rock and The Fast and the Furious. You forget that he's supposed to be this really hard-ass guy. Yeah, <laughs> capable of killing m- literal monsters on a on a planet, alien monsters, with his bare hands, and he's blind, uh, more or less. <laughs> and and to to Vin Diesel's credit, I mean, I think for the longest time, Vin Diesel was kind of like the poor man's rock. I mean, yeah. that he really was like he was. They were even when you know the until they did. Um, the uh, I think it was the was it the Fast and the Furious. Um, it was the fourth one. Whatever the fourth one was. Once they got over well, the Tokyo, they did Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. He showed up in the at the end credits. He was of at Tokyo the end Drift. of that. Yeah. But it was when they did. I think it was the Fast it's and the just, Furious. I think it's just called Fast and Furious. Fast. Okay. Um, well, fast you and might Furious. Be right. It could be the Fast and Furious. I, it, it's it's one it's it, one of those was the first one and one of them was the fourth one. Whatever it was, the fourth one is when the the franchise got a reboot. Yeah. And. He was back and was like, okay, we Red might Letty be able to do this. He was back. He was back. Yeah. Some of and, the other members of his gang were back. And then they did Fast Five. And I was like, oh, we want to watch these movies. Like, yeah. you know, Dominic Toretto is, yeah. he's a guy that we want to see more from. Like, you hadn't seen him really outside of the, you know, 30 second cameo or 10 second cameo, maybe even right. that he had at the end of Tokyo Drift. It's like, he was, he was in the first Fast and the Furious. Was like at that, that point, the movie like, wasn't very good either. By the way, like it, I think <clears> it did just enough. Like it was a low budget movie. People the the fifth one is really it. what the the fifth yeah. one is what solidified the franchise. It, it truly was, and it just so, so happened to be the movie that Rock the Rock was in. Yes, so. uh, you you can't have a Fast and Furious franchise without Vin Diesel. It's Dominic Toretto. It's, the movies are built around him. You know. Yeah. And and uh, Paul Walker, of course, who's no longer with us, but uh, they they've done enough smart. They've they've done this this the just this perfect amount of goofy writing and casting. Like they keep 
you know, it's like a Marvel movie. There's a universe. You know, they keep bringing they're these really, guys I mean, back in. <laughs> because uh, in the new one, they've got, um, you know, if you haven't watched the trailer, I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but the trailer. Oh, I didn't even know there was a know. trailer. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there's. They've. I think they've had a couple trailers, but Han. Han oh, is you're back. right. You're right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like I, I remember because my uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Jay, he had never seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies, and before we went on lockdown, he would usually come over on Wednesday nights and hang out. And we would watch movies or play video games. Just something is like my my house, we called it the Oasis. We would just do whatever was chill and relaxing and enjoyable. So we'd watch yeah, movies and we'd play video games. And uh, so he had never seen it. I was like, okay, well, we got to go through these because these movies are going to change your life. I was like, the first three, uh, you know, I still think Tokyo Drift is fun kind of in its own right, oh, but I it's like, not a great I like, movie. I, I like Tokyo Drift. I saw that. Tokyo Drift is better years. than Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, Too Fast, no Too doubt. Furious is just a joke. It's um, embarrassing. But um, but it gave, us, it gave us Luda and it gave yes. us uh, uh, Tyrese. It gave us Tyrese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, it's terrible. It's not good. It really is. I, I love that. Just it made me think of the exchange between the Rock and Tyrese in at the end of Fast yeah. Five when he's coming into the cookout and yeah. Tyrese goes, "Oh, you better hide your baby oil. Yeah, like you better hide that big ass forehead." <laughs> and Ludacris chokes at it his. It was drink. improvised, wasn't it? It was totally improvised, ah. and it just. Uh, it, and I love it was so organic because Ludacris does a spit take because he was actually laughing because it was such a great line. But it's like it is. It's I mean like and and Dominic, you know, as much as I love The Rock, Dominic really is the heart of everything. It's like yeah. Dom, Dom. He is Fast and the Furious. Like I, I love. He's the um, Luke Hobbs. Piece. Yeah, he's the dad. <laughs> he he makes them all a family, and that right, I mean. Right. I, I'm, it makes me happy that Vin Diesel has really found a place in Hollywood because I think for the longest time, you know, even even as he was establishing himself as Riddick, you know, I think they're they're just he was kind of trying, like okay, where do I he, he fits, but where is it that he fits? Yeah. And it's, he's he, still he trying is, to find a place outside of R- Dom though. Like, yeah, there was the movie where he was like some sort of witch hunter guy. That movie didn't do well. Which. There was the bloodshot was okay. movie that came out that that could have possibly been a victim of COVID nineteen, but I don't think so. Really, I think it probably I, would have not done great, even if there wasn't for the shutdown of theaters. I go back and forth. I haven't seen it, but I go back and forth on wanting to, mm-hmm. and I, I, I I'm just like I didn't think it looked I? all that good. It doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> no. But I'm just like, should I see this? Uh, it feels like a very like. It feels like a Vin Diesel's nerddom trying to force something to happen that shouldn't be happening. Uh, oh, and he's, he, got, he's and still he, got the goodwill of Guardians and Fast and Furious. <laughs> he uh, he did he uh, a couple of years ago, 2017. He uh, he brought Xander Cage mm. of Triple X fame back to the big screen, which it was. <laughs> For some people, it was a really good thing. <laughs> it was uh, the first uh, the first one. Because this is the third one, and yeah. I've seen all three of them. Uh, the yeah. first one, honestly, is like forty-five minutes way too long. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I, I can't believe this movie's still going. And it was absolutely forgettable. I, re- you know what? The only thing I remember about the first one was the there was like a dude who just he has his line, this classic line of "bitches come." Like, that's yeah, that's like the only thing I remember about it. Other than was, he's like an extreme sports star. It's not a great movie. It really isn't, yeah. and. Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube uh, yeah. was not 
a whole also lot better. Not great. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it had its moments, but it yeah. was not great. It's fun and to it was, see Sam Jackson in anything. It, it's funny because when you watch Triple X, um, the return of Xander Cage, it's it's like it's almost like this weird fan service for a movie that doesn't have fans. Doesn't have fans. Because it's That's a like great quote. <laughs> it's 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 the most fun of all three of the movies, and I love the fact that the two the two baddest dudes out of the entire movie are um, uh, Vin Diesel and Donnie Yen. And Donnie, Donnie Yen is, I think he was in his early 50s when he did it. And I think Vin Diesel was 49 when he did it. And I'm like, you have all these younger actors, these people coming up. Um, and, I mean, you, you get a cameo from uh, Ice Cube in it. And um, you got Rory um, uh, Rory Cochran, or no, uh, Rory McCann, um, who played, uh, uh, what was he on Game of Thrones? The the Hound. Um, oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's in. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an older Yarp. guy, but he wasn't, yeah, <laughs> he wasn't necessarily pivotal. But I love that the two main lead guys that are having all of these stunts and all this yeah. badass stuff yeah. are like 49 and early 50s. I'm like, this is this, this is, is just this, these, this is living our best life right. This here. is great. I love this. It's the best of all three of the of the triple X movies. I need to check that out. I've I've, it's I've heard fun, it from many people that I trust that it's you know it's it's just one of those like it's worth a watch type movies. It, check it you'll, out. You you'll enjoy yourself. You'll feel bad for watching it. But it's of the three, it's the only one you. If you're going to watch any of them, I would only <laughs> advise the third one. All right, so uh, I guess we're moving on to our. Uh, next My one, number yeah, four. You're, you're number four. My number four. Uh, this one, um, I, I think is, uh, just it, quickly, quickly going through. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a number of iconic characters that Clint Eastwood has played over the years, but I think this one is probably my favorite. Mm. Um, and it's, it's the role of Harry Calhoun or Callahan in, um, in the dirty Harry franchise. Oh yeah. Uh, and he, it, it's he's one a, of he's a cop like, that plays by his own rules. He, baby. he exactly, and <laughs> and like he's and he's that cop that I mean, I, I, there may there probably were guys before him, but I just feel like Harry Callahan is the guy that was just that archetype for the chief. Is always I mean, he's gonna just shout his head off because Harry, you know, I was like he, Harry's just doing whatever he wants to do doesn't play by the rules. You fucked doesn't up four do. city blocks. <laughs> yeah. It's just like every one of those, you know, like even, I mean, just, I, I think about all that. I mean, like how they, uh, how they kind of lampoon that in uh, last action hero mm, um, yeah. with, with uh, Jack Slater. And it's like, that's just, that's the, uh, that's the Harry Callahan that he kind of, I feel like he kind of laid that groundwork for so many of those just, you know, I'm the I'm the cop that's just going to pave my own way. Yeah, and I, 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 there were, and I think just, there were, if you're a young person, you don't understand how pivotal how pivotal like Clint Eastwood was in the 70s, oh yeah, 60s and 70s. Like he was one of the world's biggest movie stars, and his his Harry was you know, uh, and he was like the action hero of his day. He was the guy. He yeah. was he was it. I mean, he had a, a, the giant. I mean, just the giant revolver, and he <laughs> just magnum. had that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he just he had that just that grizzled just look on his it face out anywhere on the street. <laughs> Waves it around. He just sh- he'll just shoot at whatever he wants to. Unholsters just, that cannon. <laughs> it and it, it's 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 um 
it's it's a really weird character to think in 2020 terms. You just you can't you can't wrap your brain around it if you're trying to. No, no. I mean, because he's um, in the I, dashboard I were, cam days. <laughs> oh, he the and the the uh, the the vest cam mm-hmm. and the I mean just. You know, the police officer like, oh, you got to cover pull your... Harry's vest cam up. And yeah, see what like, he's oh, been let's up not. To. Oh, Jesus let's Christ. not. Because <laughs> you had, because there were, you had Dirty Harry. Yeah. And you had Magnum Force, The Enforcer, Sudden Impact, and The Deadpool. Um, and I think it's in The Deadpool where he shoots a guy with a harpoon gun. Um, which... <laughs> the just, natural progression of that. It's just... But he, I mean, he just... I mean, Thank even... God, it, that harpoon gun was just sitting there. <laughs> Even looking at the cover art for all five of these, it's just him and his giant gun. <laughs> That's you know, it like you every- know what I liked most about the Deadpool were like the little explosive RC cars. It was like such a James Bond kind of moment. Yes. <laughs> it just didn't seem to belong in the Dirty Harry movie. No, not really. Yeah, but, but, but Clint Eastwood's like, he's like a Billy Bob. You know, he's there's a cantankerousness to him, a, a very rough around the edges. <laughs> But, but everything it, it's, pisses it, but them also off. Also, kind of likable. Yeah, <laughs> like you think like about Gran like, Torino, for example. Like he's 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 kind of racist, and he's not his his own family doesn't even want to be around him. But he, you know, his neighbor takes a shine to him, and he takes yeah. a shine right back to him. So <laughs> you're like, you know what this this guy might not. I may have. I may have uh, have written him off a little too quickly. I may have and misjudged him. Probably not. But oh like, shit, he just said something really racist. Okay, that's like, why. <laughs> hey, I think I kind of. Oh no, never mind. Nope, I don't. Uh, that's. <laughs> I really that's do not, like that movie, though. I think that's a good movie. He, I like the and, mule too. Like the mule's pretty good. Oh, I, I, there's. I mean, it's not like Clint Eastwood's career is infallible. But you'd be you'd be hard pressed. I mean, even if you when you go back through stuff that he was doing in the '90s, like in the Line of Fire and uh, uh, Blood Work, mm-hmm. that may have been even early 2000. But uh, there's a lot of those where it's like just really kind of semi forgettable. Um, I know at one point um, I remember a guy that uh, we still work with, but he did, he works from home in another state now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, he he, he and he I just marshmallows in another state. Yeah. It, it's another state. <laughs> uh, he does so remotely, um, but uh, um, we uh, we would talk about um, how uh, with uh, with certain films. Uh, what it, uh, it was oh the Pelican Brief? That's what we named it. It was like the Pelican Brief phenomenon. It's like the movie The Pelican Brief is a totally enjoyable movie. It's got. Big big stars. It's John adaptation of a John Grisham novel. It's a totally fine Is movie. The Mel Gibson Julia Roberts movie. That was a conspiracy theory. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, the Pelican Brief had Denzel Washington and oh, right. um, Julia Roberts and but Julia was, Roberts. Okay, she's kind of in fairness. She was in every other movie. Oh yeah, she was in. Oh, she was in everything in the nineties. But it's one of those movies, like, and and that that is perfectly illustrating the point. It's one of those like it's a great movie, but it's totally forgettable. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like there's like for anybody to be like I'm a huge fan of the of the Pelican Brief, you'd be like why, <laughs> why why did that one why stick that one for and you? Not these twenty other greater movies. It's like that is 
that is not an iconic film. No. But it's when I was like, it did fine. It was a great adaptation of the book. I read the book before I watched the movie. I loved both. Oh, okay. And it's it's one of those like I was a huge John Grisham fan when I was in high school. I read everything that he wrote, and it's one of the better adaptations of of his books. Um, but it, like that was there's a lot of those movies in Clint Eastwood in his later catalog. Yeah. But it's one of those things like everything he did was always really reli- I mean like reliably pretty enjoyable. Yeah, like, oh, he's. He's, you could watch a Clint Eastwood movie. He's like, that was a good movie. Well, and now Clint Eastwood has taken on this sort of secondary career of director. You know, he's yeah. Firing out movies like every year because he makes them so quickly, apparently. He doesn't he's necessarily. 92, I think. That it's, it's nuts. Yeah. And he just had one this past year come out. And, you know, and, and, I, but I missed I missed the days where he was actually putting himself like you know he he had the American Sniper movie and then yep. the, the movie I'm talking about with the the bomb I, I forget what it's called I haven't seen it yet but it just came out this past it, oh the, the, end the of Richard Jewell Richard yeah, Jewell yeah exactly yeah I have it but I haven't watched it yet either but when the meal came out like it was like you know like you had like these movies like Unforgiven Gran Torino uh, yeah like there there was just like a line of movies so he just he was putting himself in he was just great I loved him so yeah. Um, but 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 back to back back to Dirty Harry, I guess. Like, what can you say about Dirty Harry? I don't even know if I've seen all the Dirty Harry movies. Like, I know I've seen at least a couple of them. I know I've seen the Deadpool, and I know I've seen the first one. The I'm other trying, ones I'm just trying. sort of blend together in my mind. One of them, like you could show me a clip from any which way but loose, and I might go, "Yeah, that's Dirty Harry." <laughs> this is this is the part where he had an orangutan, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, lo- I'm looking them up now because I know one of them was based on uh, on the Zodiac uh, thing. You know? Oh shit! Oh nice. Let's see. Well, they in, they're in San Francisco, right? All the movies yep. are in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess it was the first. Yeah, the first one was based on the uh, the Zodiac killer. Dirty Harry is based. I, on I the need Zodiac to go back killer. and watch some of those movies again. Because actually, because in the movie Zodiac, which I, I know I've talked about very favorably in the past, um, they're watching Dude, they're, and rightfully so. It's a great movie. They're watching that movie in um, in the midst of the movie uh, Zodiac. They watch the Dirty Harry movie where the Zodiac killer is um, Scorpio. Is based. Um, oh, nice. A little so, Easter egg for those fans. Yes. So, but it, he's he he, you know, and going through the characters. I'm like, you know, Harry Callahan is just, he is that guy who's like, he represents good, but he, he's not going to play by the rules. He's not going to do it. He's going to do it his way. And that was, that was what made him the, the cop that he was like, you have, you have scenes, you have scenes in there that are just absolutely phenomenal. Cause it's like, you know, he's, uh, and the, the, the clip that I picked is probably one of his most iconic of all the movies. Mm. Um, the, do you feel lucky punk? Yeah. Okay. Cause it's just it's such a great scene, but it's like, he has moments outside of some of those iconic ones where like, Hey, this guy's actually kind of likable, yeah. but most of it's just like him shooting at things and wrecking cars. Harry, Harry's, he's a good cop and he just doesn't care for bureaucratic bullshit. You know, like yeah. he's like, let's cut the tape and, and get the job done. Let's just, let's, Hey, that's a bad guy. Let me shoot him. Let me, Let me just shoot please, him. I have then, this big gun. If I shoot him, have then we don't even got to worry about poster? it. Look at this damn thing. <laughs> this gun is huge. It will clearly shoot him and he will be dead. And then all we got to do is paperwork. That's well, it. Right. Uh, I, I, I pull my gun out. I, I put a softball sized hole in his chest. We do some paperwork. Yeah. We go have a beer. We tie one off. Then we're done. We're done. That's right. it. Let's play that clip. 
Drop the gun, creeps! <laughs> oh, look at that hair. Yes. That's Scorpio, the uh, Zodiac Killer-esque guy. Drop the fucking gun! Huh? Oh, he was in Ford Fairlane. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. We'll talk about that at one point in the, on the show, I'm sure. Gets him in the arm. And he runs With that off. hand cannon. Yeah, the kid runs away. Yeah. And then you get this, this iconic dialogue that I love. Oh, no, this wasn't the scene I thought you were going to play. This is another scene. Okay. In that damn suit. It just got that squint and that... The sun's in his <laughs> eyes always. I know what you're thinking, punk. <laughs> you're thinking, did he fire six shots? Oh, no, this is the one. Now, to tell you the truth, I forgot myself and all this excitement. <laughs> but being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and will blow your head clean off. His teeth are together. You could ask yes. yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well. He's got that bandage across his nose, <laughs> Fucking lizard. Do you punk? <laughs> Do you punk? He goes for the gun. Yeah. Blows <laughs> <laughs> him into the water. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I. How long do you think it took to blow dry Clint's hair before us? Oh. I mean that it's to get in just that right. It is fantastic. <laughs> There's just like a team of stylists on standby. I I love I love the meme. There's uh, I think it's 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 a split screen where it's like how the world sees Clint Eastwood and it's just a picture of Clint Eastwood and then how Clint Eastwood sees the world and like eighty five percent of the screen is black. It's just where like you could see like if he was squinting. Oh, yeah. because he's always squinting. Oh beautiful. I was like I just I just love that. It's like Clint Eastwood is forever. He's just like <laughs> he could he could be in a pitch black movie theater. He's like all he's doing is squinting. Right. Like, uh, like, why I are can't you squinting in this pitch black movie theater? Like, that's not what you do, Clint. It's like uh, it's all I can do, punk. And his son, you know, coming full circle. His son is yeah. in the last couple of Fast Fast and Furious. Yeah. Movies. And and Scott, the, when you watch, especially when you go back, I was rewatching uh, uh, Fistful of Dollars not too long ago, and he his especially his younger stuff, mm-hmm. he looks just dead up. I mean, Scott Eastwood looks like his dad. I mean, you yeah. see him, you're like, oh, he, oh yeah. he's clearly Clint Eastwood's son. It was like when you watch Clint Eastwood's old stuff when he's younger, he's like they could have been twins. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, this guy just dead up looks exactly like his son. Yeah. It's too bad that he hasn't lived up to his father, but what, what son does really ever? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things. And Clint Eastwood, those are some big shoes to fill. That's a hard Impossible That's a hard shoes. one. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I guess we'll move on to my final pick. Number five. Um, now, this this is uh, he. my next pick is pretty clearly a bad guy in, in the movie that he's in, but... Depending on how you want to look at things and your politics and, and <laughs> you know, there could be a bit of a gray area. Like maybe he's not bad depending on, I mean, like he's bad, but you know, like there, there could be a certain sect of people that go like, well, was he bad? Really? You know, what or was he? Maybe, yeah, maybe, he, maybe, maybe he, he had, he had principles, damn it. Uh, and, yeah. 
And a lot of Daniel Day-Lewis characters are that way. A couple of them, at least. But my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis character in any movie is uh, from the Gangs of New York, Bill the Butcher. Bill the Butcher. I love every I love every bit of dialogue, Bill the Butcher. I love his accent that he he puts on for this movie. I love the greasy hair. You know, he's kind of got this like greasy bangs like down in his face. Yeah. Uh he's got the mustache. He wears like the Abe Lincoln style hat. You know, he's very yep. gangly. You know, I, I love when the, in the scenes of, of uh, you know, like there's they're having battles, like these bloody battles. To, yeah. To you know, and he, he puts on like the leather football helmet thing. You know, like what is yeah. that protecting against? Like, I don't even know what this means, man. But yeah, Bill the Butcher. He's he's clearly meant to be the bad guy. He kills. Uh, he he's the leader of uh, of uh, I forget the name of the gang, but they're they're kind of like the you know New Yorkers who were there before a lot of Im- the immigrants landed you know like it's in particular Irish immigrants like he's very racist when it comes to you know uh African Americans Irish whatever like he he doesn't think that anybody belongs there like just there's like the true Americans and uh, they there there's just some really great scenes where the ones that I like the most is they're like they're, they're like the um uh, oh gosh what's his face um Leonardo DiCaprio's dad who plays Qui Gon in the Star Wars movies like why can't I think of his name oh Liam Neeson the Liam Neeson yeah Lucky Charms Liam Neeson he's sort of his rival early on in the movies he he defeats Liam Neeson's gang. And, and, you know, kills him in front of Leonardo DiCaprio, which creates this force, you know, this driving. Like, he, yeah, you know, like the whole movie is him coming back from, you know, and, and growing up and befriending Bill. And then his plan is to kill him. But, you know, there, he, he, something weird happens. You know, like, he kind of takes the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio figure under his wing and, and treats him like a son. Uh, and there, there are just all these scenes where you're just like, I kind of like this guy, but then he does really horrible things throughout the movie. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is a really bad guy. (laughs) Uh, That's very similar to the Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio dynamic in the departed. Oh yes. Very, very good point. Very good point. Uh, but I, I just really dig this. I, I like these, you know, periodical movies like these there there aren't a lot of movies that depict new york in this time period yeah you know if you do get a civil war type like a civil war era movie it's typically further south you don't get that far north you don't get to see new york in that time period and i i just love the sets of new york and i really like at the end of the movie when like you know they have their big battle and everybody's blown to hell, and you know, like the, then you you kind of see like time pass and the skyline change of New York, and like all all of these great warriors, these these gangs of New York, like these bigger than life figures, they're they're just buried in this graveyard. It gets over like taken by time, like you know, like there's it just like the weeds grow over it, the grass grows over it, and you you know what I'm talking about at the end yeah. of the movie. Like I just really like this scene and. Bill the Butcher, you know, he's he's just this crazy, he's this skinny, gangly, 
he's got the mustache, you know, <laughs> and the vest. Like, I just, I dig him. Like, I, I dig his speeches. I dig the way he tries to mentor Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, there, there's just dimensions. There's levels to this guy. And, you know, in the end, you're, you're, sus- you know, like, you're right about him all along. He's a bad guy who deserves to die. But I like that the movie kind of tricks you and manipulates you in a way to, like, at least give pause for a minute or two, you know, like, do you want this guy to die? <laughs> cause I'm yeah, really well, enjoying this performance. But, and when, when you, cause when you think of like, when you get to, you know, you have Martin Scorsese directing this mm-hmm. and how, this is like the first Leonardo Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Movie. And how, I mean, really to, uh, to his credit, I mean, you know, he, he I think he likes to, Overinflate, but I'll I'll give him that because he's a guy that has really I mean he's delivered so many things. You're like yeah, this guy is a pretty phenomenal director. So oh my god, he yes. he might like to think of himself in even higher terms than he may deserve. But I'm gonna give him that because he's Martin Scorsese yeah. and he's done so many things that yeah he's pretty phenomenal. Well, I love The but, Irishman. I mean that was one of my favorite movies. Oh, of 2019. He's I mean. And he's still doing it. I mean, that's the thing is like the guy's been doing this for, you know, 40 plus years at this point. And he's, he can still put together, you know, a, I mean, a, a three and a half hour movie mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, I will sit here and I'll watch this whole thing from start to finish. And it's like, by the time and you're be done, surprised you're like, when it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, really? It's done. Does this have to be done? Yeah. It's like, could, oh. but he, between his ability to, you know, set a scene and tell a story and do all of that visually. And then Daniel Day Lewis, his dedication to the craft of acting and how deep he goes into it. I miss Daniel Day Lewis. I wish he had never retired. <laughs> he, I, and he, because he did so few things anyways. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's not like he only did a handful. It was like he was so selective in his roles. Mm hmm. And he would he would go so deep into them that it wasn't like he was doing three four movies a year, you know you're not you're never gonna have the oh yes oh did you see all the Daniel Day Lewis movies that came out this year it's like no because there was one and then he took like three years off, um, right? But bet- between those two things, because then he had I to think, go physically transform his body. Yeah, it's like he had to completely <laughs> change himself yeah. into the next thing that he was gonna do. Yeah. And so, but in that, it's like, and it's been, it's been a few years since I've watched, sat down to watch the gangs of New York, but what oh, I remember I watch it every time I see it, it's he, God, it's so good. He just, he has such an intimidating just presence Yeah. and between, you know, Scorsese being able to put him on screen in that way and him being able to command the role the way that he did throughout the entire movie. What I just remember about it is he was, he, he was like this. Um, bipolar kind of character to where it's like you you were as a as a as a viewer as just a member of the audience it's like you were almost afraid of him in the same way that other people were it's like he would have these moments where it's like okay he's here let me take young Leonardo DiCaprio under my arm and all oh, these are my people and you know he's this yeah. you know there's this benevolence to him that these people that are within his you know his uh, his good graces they look up to him and they love him. But it's yeah. like, if you're just on the other side of that line, you should fear him with every fiber of your being because he would cut you down in a moment and not think twice about it. And so That's there's just exactly this, right. 
this but, but there visceral were, every now presence. and then there'd be a scene like I love the part where you know Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, and then your boy Henry Thomas like they're in a they're you know yeah. like they're trying to be they're trying to get into his gang they're trying to ingratiate him, themselves and his into his gang and they they go into his uh, bar I mean it, I love it because it's Scorsese and it's a gangster movie but it's a yeah it's like an it's like unlike any gangster movie you've ever seen yeah you know, it's, it's, to- it's horse of a different totally different color great. And so, like, they're in this bar, and Leonardo DiCaprio is totally, he doesn't know who he is. And he looks over, and there's just this bar, there's just this photograph of, um, you know, Liam Neeson as Leonardo DiCaprio's father. And he's, it's like a shrine. He created the yeah. shrine uh, because, as he had said, like, he, he's the only man, he's the only enemy that he ever respected because he, it's like he, he, he hated him. And he was his enemy and his rival, and he was he he stood for everything that like his Bill the Butcher's character stood against, but at the same time he was honorable in his way. Like they they were old fashioned, yeah. and they they just believed in the same like they had the same values as far as the way you settled things. Yeah, and uh, there was this deep deep respect b- between the two of them, even though like one of them had to kill the other. Uh, you know? Yeah. It it's just like and even even when like Leonardo DiCaprio's character as a child runs out as you know Liam Neeson's characters is is dying in the street, Bill the Butcher you know like he's just this little kid and you know like they could easily have you know like a like a lesser villain a, a you know like a lesser developed just bad evil person would have had the kid maybe killed just for being the son of his enemy yeah. but no he's like he's like see that this boy gets an education and. Yeah, you know, like let you know he it's he he deserves the respect of this. His father was a great man, so like I I just dig those elements of him. It just it like I said, it gives you a little bit of pause. In, yeah, in between scenes where he's being really terrible, like he's really awful to Cameron uh, Diaz's character in the movie because like you know like there's a love triangle going on there. Yeah, he's he's there's some really scary scenes, and this the clip that I have picked actually involves her. Um, but everything about his delivery, the way he moves around, he's got like a marionette kind of movement to him. Yeah. Like it's mechanical almost. It's really, really like the acting choices he makes to do this character. Just, I just love it. I just love it. It's just pure Daniel day Lewis. And, uh, I feel like of all the Scorsese movies, you know, this one gets overlooked a lot. It does, yeah. It's it's too bad. I mean, like I think you know, like there's there were a ton of movies, you know, that came out. There were you know there there was The Departed, of course, won an Academy Award. Uh, that was a big, huge win for everybody. Uh, the Aviator, you know, is another one of those movies that like some may look at as sort of underrated, overlooked movie. It's it's about Howard Hughes. It's a it's like a biopic, so you know, a biopic yeah. or whatever you want to say. So it kind of it kind of has different rules, expectations. People look at it a certain way. It's almost like a documentary. But yeah, Gangs of New York, man, I just dig that movie, and I really love the character of Bill the Butcher. It's one of my favorite. You know, like he's he's just like a scoundrel. He's not really an, he's not a hero really to anyone except maybe the people that follows him. John C. Riley is one of his lieutenants. <laughs> he's like <laughs> t- on the take. Just is really awful policeman more or less uh but yeah i'll just go ahead and play my uh clip and you'll you'll recognize the clip it's great 
they're performing. Apologies, my dear. Pick it up. Whoopsie Daisy! <laughs> I love that line. Now it's good and broken. He's just toying Can't with you. to get anything right tonight. He could have killed her right there. So yeah. Whoopsie I, I, Daisy. <laughs> that's that's that whole dynamic, or it's like where where it is like it just keeps you on edge because yeah. like. To everyone that's not directly threatened by his behavior at that moment, you're just like so relieved that you're not in his spotlight. Oh my god! But then when yes. you fall under it, you're just like just the definition of sheer terror. Yeah, he's almost car- like almost cartoon like in his villainy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It it's it's great. I just I really dig him and his performance, and uh, I I I feel like since we've been doing this podcast i've been looking for like the perfect opportunity to slip in bill the butcher somewhere you know because gangs of new york is not one of my favorite movies i like it but it's not one of my favorite movies it's long uh, it has some boring parts to it but you know if, if i could just watch a clip a clip package of just all the daniel day lewis scenes uh i you know that's all i would need yeah, there's uh, that's because and on, honestly, it's one of those like it doesn't come up in conversation a lot. You know, it's when it was out and it was relevant. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, got the talk of the town. But it's one of those like I, I think especially with Scorsese, it's like for some reason that's one that just doesn't, you know, live on in that kind of anthology kind of way. It's like there's those iconic Scorsese films. It's and, beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful movies that you can watch. I mean, like the, the sets that they built for this movie, like they really recreated New York, like old New York. I mean, it's really cool. Well, and the, I mean, that's, it's one of those like when you look at a lot of what he, you know, the, the well that he goes back to for a lot of Scorsese stuff, this is in, you know, in the vein of that, but it is still just a completely different thing altogether, you know, in just that, that time frame. You know, that's what makes it so unique. And, you know, obviously he's done a number of films with uh, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. And right. that's been that's been a very fruitful relationship. Yes. But I think I think that's the only is that the only time you ever worked with uh, Daniel Day Lewis? I think so, yeah. I think yeah. It's like <clears throat> Leonardo DiCaprio is the only like through line. You know, he's the one guy. Yeah. But yeah, it was a I, I if I remember correctly, this movie came out around Christmas time. And, uh, you know, it just sort of fell through the cracks, you know, like, I, yeah, I, you know, there, it had its fans, you know, like Martin Scorsese, like he doesn't make a ton of movies. No. So when he does put out a movie, it's, you know, the certain, certain people are going to go see it and talk about it and, and rave about it. And again, Daniel Day Lewis, this is, this is in his prime when he was being nominated for movies all the time. Um, and then uh, one one of the other characters, like an honorable mention, would have been like the that was the there will be blood. His character, yeah. like that, was another one that I came close to to selecting because I think he was a very similar character. You know, he's like a cutthroat. You know, he's a he's like a swindler. He goes town to town. You know, like he's pretending that this boy that he sort of abducted took under his wing that he's his son. 
you know, it's so that people will listen to him and, and you know, like he, he's like a more of a human being, but then at the end of the movie, he turns on him, you know, <laughs> and, yes. and kind of dies this weirdo, lonely, crazy person. He bashes like, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool movie. I like it a lot, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's my choice. That's what I'm going with. And I like it. I, I guess, it. I guess I'll mention my honorable mentions. Yeah. Go for it. Ah, let's see who, so I had a lot of, I'm going to save some, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two honorable mentions that I thought that about works. choosing and then I'm saving these other ones cause I got a long list that maybe for a future iteration. We can, yeah, topic. I was going to say we can do this one again. Yeah. So the, the two that really like, okay, if we had some overlap, I was, I had like a contingency plan cause sometimes we do have overlap. Yes. I had two contingencies and one was Elizabeth Salander from the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Yep. I really enjoyed her character. I feel like we've mentioned her in in the past. Uh, you know, she's not that she's a bad guy ever, but she kind of gets things done in like a dirty Harry kind of way. Yes. Like she's a hacker. She has her own moral code. Correct. And then my other choice was uh, it's kind of along the lines of Uncle Rico. Like I cho- I was gonna possibly do Phil Connors from Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. That is a good one. Because he is a douchey character to begin with. He is. He redeems himself by the end. It takes him a long time. It takes a very long time. Much longer than maybe the average person, but he does get around to it at the end. Initially, I think the the plan was for it to take 10,000 years. I think they shortened that. I know a lot of people have gone up there and come up with, well, it would take you this long to learn this. And yeah. even if we overlapped it, they've mapped out how long they think that he is. I think Harold Ramis at one point may have put some number out there. I was like, ah, I think he was, you know, he's in there for 10 years. He was stuck in this for 10 years. That's interesting. Something like that. But yeah, That's it was, yeah. All right. So, but, but I, I, I punted over to you for your final pick. All right. My last one. Um, and this one, because there, I had a similar conundrum where I was like, I got a number of names here, and which one do I want to go with? And uh, so I, I ended up what I what I did is I went with uh, I went with Jason Bourne because I was like, you know, I, I've never for a series of movies that I really enjoy, I've never broached the topic of Jason Bourne at all, mm-hmm. to the best of my knowledge, on this. And I love. I don't think so. Yeah. Because because Jason, it's. It's, I think, one of the roles for me that really, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I know I've talked about Goodwill Hunting a number of times as far as why I really love Matt Damon. But Matt I was like, Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> but amidst his our, fame. Our favorite quotes. <laughs> oh, yes. Matt Damon. Matt um, Damon. <laughs> amidst his number of successful films, I really loved the Bourne franchise. Um, and I, I enjoy, um, what was it? The, the born legacy that included, um, Jeremy, Renner. Uh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah. That was and good. then even when they did just, I think it was just Jason Bourne, yeah. which was the fourth installment the with him. Right. I, it, it was not, it was not the best one. I didn't think, but I still enjoyed it. I mean, it was when I was like, it was nice to see that he could still pull off the Jason Bourne. I, sure. I can't imagine this point there. I mean, they're necessarily going to entertain doing another one because I mean, unless he's uh, he shows up in an Expendables movie, I don't so see why you need to see more Jason Bourne. Yeah, it's like he, I mean, he 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 made his point, to, you know, and because the, there's the been other been iterations of Bourne, like the Jason Bourne character has birthed your John Wicks and yes, your what what was the Nick the character from 
uh, suicide blonde, atomic blonde. You know, that, oh, I mean, yeah. that's just like a straight up female version of Jason yeah, Bourne. Exactly. There's just cooler versions of Bourne now. Like we don't, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> we don't. We don't need. We we've had the Matt Damon one. We we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. I, I think it was one of those like I really enjoyed because it put him. I felt like the the fran- the the Bourne franchise really put him back on the map as it did. It got him out of a he, rut. He was yeah, doing he like was, stuck on you in movies like that. Yeah, he was doing a lot of stuff. Where you're like, okay, this isn't really. I mean, like after you'd seen him in, in Goodwill Hunting, you're like. I just feel like there's more that he could do. I mean, you know, the talented Mr. Ripley, which I love. I love that uh, Ben Affleck makes fun of him for that movie in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Because it's when I was like, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the typecast for Matt Damon was he was just doing these, you know, these weird kind of like you're these weird, sensitive stalker kind of guys who are yeah. like, what is well, what is he this? had that boyish charm and young yeah. looks to him for a long time. I, I think he was what he was older than he even looked in uh, when he did Goodwill Hunting, right? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he nearly thirty when that movie? Yeah, came out? I think so. Yeah, he was older. So they, they, I mean, because he and he did, he did, he had that boyish look to him. But I, what I loved about the Jason Bourne movies, like, okay, we've never really seen him just be a badass, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, from from kind of the get go of these movies, that was. That was the whole thing. Is like they they interwove a a really, I felt pretty decent. You know, like a CIA spy. Yeah. You know, they they really integrated that well. Um, which I think I think the the born it was based on a series of books, right? I think if so. I remember correctly, I think so. Yeah. Um, because I think I kind of meant to go back and you know potentially reread some of the books just to see if there was other stuff. But it was, I mean, he, he just really embodied, I mean, I think Paul Greengrass directed the movies and he did such a great job creating the character and he and, and Matt Damon, you know, they stuck through Robert the, the, Ludlum was the author of all yeah, the that's right. yep. movies. There's every books. There's a bunch of them. Um, it was, it was, it was, it's, it's one of those nice because you have this established character, you have this established world. And I felt like between Paul Greengrass and Jason Bourne or uh, Matt Damon, they really brought it to life in a way that was enjoyable it's like each each one of the installments was really kind of you could watch it on its own and it was enjoyable but they still fit together really and they well. really upped the ante too they, they yeah, did a good they did. job one like it they felt like a lot like the mission impossible in its current yep I- incarnation you know like it they they upped the ante you know like uh matt damon was a very believable badass in those movies yes you know, like the from the sound design of his punches the 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 scene that i always think about is when he takes on the guy with just like the rolled up paper. Yes. Yeah, maybe it was the first movie, but God, man, that was so cool and it felt very authentic. You know, like he could kill a guy with that rolled up paper. It it had it had kind of almost like that uh, that Jackie Chan feeling of the authenticity of uh, it was just like he was improvising within his yeah. you know his his environment. Yep. That's You're good. like, okay, good what's call. what's here? Because I mean, that's the thing about Jackie Chan is like he would just, you know, we today, you know, and it's not that these the scenes weren't, you know, just intensely choreographed, um, but um, but but the the fight scenes they they there was a different kind of feel to them to where it's like okay, there's this organic kind of quality to I have to improvise where I'm at, and and going back to the first one, um, one of the things that uh, that. I, I love that I felt like was an un, unfortunately underplayed part of it was the role of Clive Owen. I mean, he was, 
he was another one of the assets that was out there to try and contain Jason Bourne. In, in this he was he was great. Yeah. I mean, he was as an, he's another one of those guys. Who's like oh, I wish there was just more from Clive Owen because he was such he's such a great actor. Um, and it, just seeing the two of them go at it was was really great. Um, the Bourne movies were one of the first movies where like the action scenes were a little bit more realistic. Like in yeah. the eighties and nineties, like uh, the hero would just like punch a guy once and he yeah. was like out. That's you know, it. In the Bourne movies, like you'd hit a guy and he would like, you know, he would fall through like a window or something, but like, he's not done in the fight. He's a no, little bit worse for the wear. Him. Like he has cuts and scrapes, but you know, like both, both, both combatants are getting worn out and tired and they're just, Someone's gonna win eventually, but you know it's just there's a more there's a desperation to the fights, and I really dig that. Like my hats off to the 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 stunt coordinators to those movies. Absolutely, uh, and one of the things that I like because um and I, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the the John Wick series because I love I love the John Wick series, but it's it's funny because when you go from the first John Wick movie to the second John Wick movie, especially if you watch them in in any if you watch them one right after another, it's incredibly evident. But it's like in the first movie, you kind of have this, there's an event that happens and there's this progression of, okay, Keanu Reeves is going to take on whatever whatever happened. And then in the second movie, you're like, all of a sudden there's this whole criminal underbelly world and like mm-hmm. almost mildly cartoony in the way that it, it presents itself. What I like about it's the like Jason Bourne movie. It's like a video game. It is. It's like, it just it just explodes into this whole unknown. It's like, it's like, oh, what shit, started like as a syndicate and shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it started as this one-off revenge thriller. It's like, I'm going to kill the guys that, you know, killed my dog. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, punk my. kid. Who's the son of a, mo- like, you know, very powerful the Russian mafia guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and so it just it ballooned from there. It's like, I still love them, but it's when I was like in the, in the Bourne movies, what I really appreciate that they did is they had they had really good continuity between them, even from I think the uh, I can't remember if it was the first I think it's the second to the third some of the some of the scenes when they're moving around the timeline um, there they have scenes from the second movie that are in the third one so mm-hmm. you stay on this this timeline and the this conspiracy that goes through the government gets deeper and wider and bigger but it never feels overtly cartoony in that same kind of sense. It feels like, okay, he's un- unraveled the next wrinkle in this and he's still kind of working through it. And it's like when he, at the end of the first one, when he kind of retires off to that Island with the girl that he, you know, just happened upon and they live happily ever after. Yeah. Well, the second one picks up, they found him and yeah. they kill his girl. So now he's got to go, he's going after him. Cause all right, I'm, you know, you pissed me off and I'm coming at you. Right. And it, it leads the the born ultimatum the third one is my favorite that's a good one <clears throat> and that's the, where i actually picked up in the series uh, I, I didn't watch the first two like when they first came out in theaters but when the ult, when the born ultimatum came out i was like holy shit this is awesome it was and then i so went back well and done. watched the first two movies i was like man i was i'm really late to this freaking awesome thing <laughs> but it uh, and that's uh, honestly that's a fantastic way to be able because you could just consume it all in one sitting or yeah you know close succession well yeah because you get to pick up like you said there's no cliffhanger you know you yeah you know they they drive off the cliff and or the bridge or whatever yeah so yeah and, and you just go straight in so in the third one because he has a couple of these moments throughout the series i know i think in the second one when he's talking to uh uh, I forget her name. She, Pamela Landy is the character she plays. Um, 
but uh, you know, he's he's he says something like, you know, get some rest, Pam. You look Joan tired. Allen. And, Joan Allen, yeah, and every, mm-hmm. like they they understand like, oh my gosh, he's watching us. Where? Why don't we have eyes on him? Yeah. He, oh yeah. He yeah. has. He has the same moment with uh, David's uh, Strathan, I think is his name. He plays Noah Vosen. He's who's kind of Pamela Landy's boss. He's the guy that's throwing her under the bus. So he has this moment towards the end of, of the Born Ultimatum. And every time I watch it, I just I love it because it's just it it's that revelation. It's that that whole thing come to light. And I just I love how just so cavalier and on point Jason Bourne is. So that's why I picked this this clip. I really like Julia Stiles too. Like that she, she's like it's like her first like really kind of grown up role. Yes. Kind of similar to Matt Damon. Like this is a really grown up role for him. Kind of kind of became well, he became an action star kind of like how Bruce Willis became an action star with the Die Hard. Oh movies. yeah. Uh I like Brian Cox in these movies. I think he's really yes. good. So it, it's it's a good cast. I really like the international appeal to the movie too, like all of the yes. locations. Uh, I, I dig that. It's kind of got that Mission Impossible feel, and or James Bond kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's a classy series. You know, it's really well done. Well, and just and the way that he moves about. I mean, like there's, I mean, there's this, this puzzly kind of way that, you know, like even when he's trying to get the attention of people in a particular way, it's like, okay, he's Jason Bourne. And so it's like, he's always three steps ahead. Yeah. I I, I like, I like because he starts out so far behind because he has the amnesia in the first one, but he gets to this point where it's like, I will always be five moves ahead of you. It's always fun as an audience member to watch a movie where you're in on it. You're in on it with the guy who's like three steps ahead and to see the confusion and, and you know, like the, the sort of panic of the bad guys. You know, so like it, it, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun series. There's no doubt that there's no, re, you know, there, there's no questioning why the movie went to like four, four. I think. Yes. No, uh, five. I think there was five. Five technically. Yeah. If, yeah with the, le- the legacy one. Yeah. I, I did like that Jeremy Renner one. Cause like that was a neat touch. Cause like he needed like the, uh, anecdote to prevent his death right yeah yeah it was it was it was a different a different facet of that program and it's like they're like okay born was a part of this program and then they he was like an initial member yeah yeah and they continued to to develop it because he was he had the military background he had a lot of the stuff already going for him and what they were doing in the born legacy was they had this uh uh clinical aspect of it where Mm -hmm. they were using these two different uh, pharmaceutical aspects to enhance people. It's like, okay, you don't have all of these abilities naturally, but we can give you these with these two drugs. And so if you take them on the schedule, you will be a Jason Bourne. Yeah. And, and it was he, all he a had, byproduct of the Jason Bourne character. Uh, yep, Cause like, exactly. well, that, that prototype that, that didn't work out the way we'd hoped. Here's yeah. our, here's our plan B. Here's our, here's our second prototype. Yeah. And that didn't work out either. But uh, I, I do like how they kind of crossed. Like the, you, they, you did get a brief mention of of Jason. In, in that. Yeah, when he's laying in the bunk and you see Jason Bourne's name carved in, he's like, right. Huh, right. okay, subtle nod to. Yeah, it's like, clearly it's a Bourne movie, but right. it's like, okay, that's a nice little nod to it. Yeah, exactly. That was a well done movie. So, all right. Uh, so I got a clip here. I guess I got a. Yes, got a, this is this is towards the end of uh, of the Bourne Ultimatum. It's one of my favorite exchanges in the entire franchise.
Noah Wilson. This is Jason Bourne. I was wondering when you were going to make this call. Oh, How did yeah, you get this number? Yes. You didn't actually think I was coming to Tudor City, did you? No, I don't suppose. No, I guess not. But if it's me you want to talk to, perhaps we can arrange a meet. Where are you now? I'm sitting in my office. I doubt that. And why would you doubt that? If you were in your office right now, we'd be having this conversation face to face. <laughs> I love that. And then just that revelation. It's kind of like the whole uh, in the last Star Wars movie where Ray's in like uh, Kylo's room. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know where you are. Yeah. Oh, I know where you are. Yeah. It's, it's, a, just, it's a great scene. I, I just I love that because there's like that that panic and that oh he's he's there he's infiltrated he's <laughs> in the FBI building. I'm the so guy that we're right now. <laughs> And, 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 you know, and the way the scene plays out, he needed his voice signature to be able to open his personal safe so that he could, so when he answers the phone and says, Noah Vosen, yeah. and he's recording it, he uses that to get all of the Blackbriar stuff. He's so he the totally, smartest guy. I was just like, this That's guy a, is so far ahead of you. Matt Damon's like a lot like a Tom Cruise. Like he, he did, he tends to play a lot of those characters where he's the smartest guy. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm I'm along for the ride in most things that he's he's in, so it's good stuff. All right, well, those are ten uh, ten picks, ten great picks of yes of scoundrels, of antiheroes, of just you know pseudo villains, yes, whatever you want to call it, just you know gray area characters, yes, you know just but but the bottom line is they're you enjoy watching them in the movie, they're appealing, and whether or not their actions are good quote-unquote good uh you can't help but but be drawn to them <laughs> yeah so they're tons of fun tons of fun and so what were some of your honorable mentions since i i, uh, I had a couple <coughs> uh my two honorable mentions um i john mcclain from die hard that's a good i one, love yeah. john mcclain he's because he's same kind of thing he's I would say he's he's a protagonist, but at the same time, you know, you you have that you have that whole element where it's like, you know, um, especially when he's dealing with uh, Paul Gleason in in the first one, um, when he's outside and he's like, ah, you're screwing everything up, yeah. McLean, just let us. T-. He's like, no, I'm going to do this because you, you know, guys are a bunch of you, idiots. You could add reluctant hero to the list, yeah. you know, like there. That's yep. another you could that could. That's fit another in great way characters. to put it. Yeah. And uh, my my other one was uh, Luke Jackson from Cool Hand Luke because that's another uh, after our last episode talking so highly of uh, the bike episode of the, of the <laughs> oh you know the bike episode you know you love the bike episode uh, everybody loves the everybody bike loves the bike episode everybody's the number one episode the bike check out the bike oh, episode. of course check out the bike uh, if you haven't if you, you need love to. bikes. If you love bikes, have and, we got an bulls. episode for you? <laughs> yes, shenanigan, but like just just silly bulls crashing through gates. Yeah, absolutely, but yeah, cool, cool and Luke. I mean, he's he's a he's a guy on a chain gang. He's yeah. a prisoner. He's he's a he's a bad guy in that sense. That's right. And he's, he's in always, prison. He there's yeah. you know he's some something's not right there. <laughs> 
and he 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 has to earn the respect because the the re- the rest of the prisoners don't have anything for him, and so he you know he he plays a few hands of cards and and shows him what kind of guy he is, and then he escapes. I can't remember if it's two or three different times throughout the yeah. movie, yeah, but yeah. he keeps getting caught and coming back. Right, and you, right. You have that iconic line that what we have here is a failure to communicate. Yeah, that's yeah. where that comes from, and and he, you know that's a he's, great he's, movie. I, I recently he's just watched such a that, cool guy. Like I don't know six, seven months ago. And, uh, it's, it's a great movie. Paul, Paul Newman, he, he's an actor that if you're of our generation, we just missed out on. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's every bit as cool as like a Paul or like a George Clooney or, a, yep. you know, like Brad Pitt type, you know, he's, 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 he's got the movie star good looks, but he's also got the quick wit, like a Harrison Ford, Han Solo. Yeah. Kind of like, I, I like him. He's got that like charm. Yeah. He's, he has a total package. He's he's really he's really awesome, and he's yeah, in one of so, my like one of my favorite early Tom Cruise movies, The Color of Money. I, I really yes. like him in that. He plays a great mentor. But so those are your are those are your all your honorable. Oh, those no. are those are those are my two. Those are your two honorable mentions. Okay, cool. With, with the added caveat of of Wade of, of Wade Wilson Wade Wilson <laughs> Wade W Wilson from Regina Saskatchewan. Yep. Yeah. Well, what was the what was the line like? I don't bargain with. Uh... Um, uh, I don't speak Mandarin, uh, but I did take K three in Spanish. So donde esta la biblioteca, which translates to, I don't bargain, pumpkin fucker. <laughs> and with that, we bid you a fair and fond adieu. I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis, and I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.